Our Favorite Albums is brought to you by Complete Data Systems. Get powerful retail software built for independently owned retail stores. To see the software and how it can improve your retail business, go to retailprodemo.com. Eddie Van Halen died on October 6, 2020, at the age of 65. Without being hyperbolic and with full sincerity, I can say that this is one of the greatest music losses that has ever happened in my entire life. And I say that with the full acknowledgement that Elvis died just seven months after I was born. Yes, Eddie Van Halen dying is on the same level as Elvis Presley dying. Born in Amsterdam and raised in Pasadena outside of Los Angeles, Eddie and his brother Alex were the heart and soul of a breed of music that dominated the world for over a decade. And they will continue to inspire musicians as long as the guitar is played ad infinitum. Eddie's virtuosic playing style, his complete command and control of his instrument, and his till-death-do-us-part dedication to perfecting his skills and ability on a guitar put him into the stratosphere of greatest of all time lists in the history of music. Not just greatest guitar players of all time, I mean greatest musicians of all time. Bach, Mozart, Beethoven, Chopin, Tchaikovsky, Verdi, Wagner, Van Halen. Again, I'm not exaggerating or being hyperbolic. This is a momentous loss for the entire world. In this special episode of Our Favorite Albums, we answer the question, just who the fuck is Eddie Van Halen? Our Favorite Albums is a commentary, criticism, and music review podcast. All tunes are copyrighted and owned by the artists, not us. We just have to tell... <laughs> Motherfucker. We are just here to tell our opinions, which obviously are our own and don't reflect any artist, a sponsor, or whatever. This is Our Favorite Albums. This is Our Favorite Albums, a podcast dedicated to the music that we love the most. For comments, questions, or to listen to past episodes, visit us at OurFavoriteAlbums.com. Look for us on Apple, on Spotify, on Amazon, on Google, or whatever your favorite platform is to listen to podcasts. I'm Michael I'm joined by Jason, and today we are taking a deep look into a truly remarkable and exceptional human, Eddie Van Halen. What's going on, man? Well, hey, buddy. It's been a... We've been a little busy. It's been a few weeks we since have we've been, been here. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame that it took the greatest guitar player in all of history <laughs> to die before we could get our asses back into the chair. But A, a guy that defined our entire childhood. Oh, with, <laughs> without question. And, uh, and Will for... A long time. I mean, as you said in your opener, I mean, the, one of the most influential and important musicians ever. Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. I mean, aside from creating an entire genre, which, I mean, whether you like the genre or not, he yeah. did create the genre. He created an entire, he amplified the love of guitar, I mean, to 
to insane levels. The virtuosic playing that he created, like you mentioned, his death is is every bit as up there with Elvis. But I have to ask you a serious question. Okay, is it as big of a deal as Buddy Holly's? Oh man! Um, and so <laughs> you, you know that was for you, and you know who you are. Yeah, that that that's funny that you say that. But if you think about it, is anyone ever going to write a song that terrible? song (laughs) is anyone ever going to write a song about the tragic loss of eddie van halen because i mean he was 65 years old he hasn't really done anything of substance really it's been a few years yeah yeah, for for 20 years so i mean it it, it, this sucks this really sucks in in all seriousness um yeah this is terrible like the guy has a just a mountain of music Mm -hmm. um some is, some is better than others. Some is sure. more influential than others. I mean, it depends on what you like, right? I mean, I understand that there are, there are people out there that are the gr- largest Van Halen fans. I mean, that, that is the <laughs> band, right? Yeah. I, I know several of them. Um, but whether, you, whether you're really into him or not, you can't – first of all, it's a soundtrack for multiple generations, right? Whether right. you were an adult when he came out or whether you were like us and you were a kid. Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier, you know, some of my earliest memories of, like – Music on the radio and MTV all revolve around yep. Van Halen. Man, that, that's so interesting that you say that because uh, as, as as I was coming into music awareness, you know, as a kid, um, okay, and, and we'll get into this as we go. I, I don't I don't want to jump ahead too far, but uh, as as a kid, I had music around me all the time. You know, my mom had yeah, music going on. My cousin Tommy had music going on all the time. Uh, my older brother, though. Uh, who was who was three years older than me? He, uh, when I was in second grade, he had the 1984 tape, you know, and we wore, I, <laughs> you know, sometimes you say like we wore the grooves off that album, you know, right? Um, we literally wore the words off that tape, you know. I mean, we we played that tape so much. I mean, it was so ubiquitous that yeah. that style of music, and that was 1984. I was in second grade; he was in fifth grade. Um, but but I remember coming into music awareness because like Van Halen was and not just one of the the better musicians they were at the pinnacle right well sure yeah, yeah. I mean they were they were huge and yeah. and their their persona of course went well with the burgeoning MTV sure it's just being saturated with music videos right absolutely I mean, who, who will ever forget David Lee Roth you know jumping around in spandex pants yeah. you know and. Eddie with the shirt off, twirling on stage, and you know, and the goofy mugging and the smiling, oh, yeah, and all just, that the, stuff. just the the overarching silliness. Right. You know, it's right. it, they were kind of interesting because uh, unlike a lot of, you know, so they, I had this uh, had this argument discussion, I guess is a better word, <laughs> with uh, a drummer buddy of mine a few weeks ago, and I had he like I am a big Led Zeppelin fan, we're both sure. big Zeppelin fans, and I said sure. Led Zeppelin's responsible for cock rock. That's right. the one thing I hold them accountable for is the the white snakes of the world and everything. <laughs> and he had a good point. He said, no, he goes, they're not. Van Halen's responsible for that. Sure. The, that that kind of carefree, party rock, California, mm-hmm. anthemic, big, huge stadium music, that Van Halen, I mean, yeah, there were bands, there's 70s bands like Kansas and stuff like that that were doing the big stadium rock and roll stuff, but they really took it to a whole other level. And a totally, lot of that was totally. the MTV thing with the image and... Yeah, but they they didn't go so far as the you know the the makeup and the eyeliner and the lipstick. I mean, they weren't poison and they weren't Miley Not crude, at because all. those guys came later. So it, th- that was more like image. These guys just had like long hair and liked wearing tight pants. And yeah, partying. Yeah. I mean, they were California boys, just like to rock and roll. Man, that's yeah. pretty much what it boiled down to. Uh, you, you would never like if you pull up Motley Crue, and I, I know that you know Vince Neil and uh, I, I, could you hear my eye Lee and Nikki <laughs> Six, and I mean I, I know that they're supposed to be total badasses or whatever, but um. 
I mean, no offense. This this whole like dress like you're going to the prom on acid type stuff. Right, right. You know, just like that whole scene, we look back on it and we're like, oh, dude, you just wear me out. With sure. That stuff. And, and hey, and Valen, Van Halen gets the blame for starting a lot of that they without should, question. But they weren't wearing makeup. They, you know, no, they, no, they weren't. That was just like the tight leather pants yeah. and the vests and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But but once again, it was it, it worked perfectly with them. They didn't look like. They weren't like everything else on MTV. Not, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And the lack of uh, taking themselves too seriously, I think, contributed to that that party rock idea. Yeah. You know, it was a yeah. lot of fun. So where were you when you found out? <laughs> where were you when the Challenger exploded? Where were you at, at 9-11? Where were you, Jason, when you found out that Eddie Van Halen died? I was sitting in my office. Hmm. It popped up on Twitter. And really? uh, I saw it on Twitter. And right about then, a uh, good buddy of mine... Uh, texted me and said, I just found out Eddie Van Halen died. And I think my wife texted me at the same time. Like every, like a whole bunch of us saw the news simultaneously, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was sitting at my desk and I was like, wow. That's, yeah. I, I, I didn't even know. He, I mean, I knew he was 65. I didn't even know he had, evidently he had cancer for years. Had had no idea. But he's kind of been out of the well, limelight for a while. Yeah, but you knew he had cancer, though. Well, right? right, but I didn't know. But he it had was, half his tongue removed. But I didn't know it was a... Uh, an ongoing, yeah. an ongoing situation. I, I, yeah. I didn't know. I, I think like he'd obviously, it, yeah. I, I don't. He'd been kind of. They've been out of the limelight since what 2012, 12? 15, thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had a live album uh, that they recorded in Tokyo, I believe, in 2012. That was 15. The, record, the album was okay. recorded in 15, but yeah, so mid that that time. So it's been yeah. five years at least. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we hadn't we hadn't heard from them much. I, my, my friend Mel reached out uh, when he died and just like real nonchalant said Eddie Van Halen died. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? What, what happened? The, what are the words that you are forming? You know, right, I, right, I don't right. understand what how, you're how saying. Is this right happening? Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's just like, what? Oh, yeah. Man, like I'll never forget where I was, and I happened to be right in the office yeah. where where we're sitting. You know, yeah. um, and then I started thinking. I was like, wow, that really sucks. I didn't know the guy was sick. You know, when uh, when David Bowie died, um, that that was huge. You know? Oh sure, yeah. Bowie's yeah, Bowie's, that, Bowie's huge. Bowie's that was massive. massive. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Cohen died, but I mean, other than if, unless you're like a hardcore Soho guy or a, a music yeah, I mean, snob, you're not going to know who so, Leonard Cohen was. We, we lot, there's a lot of musicians in the last couple of years that we grew up on that have yeah. passed one way or the other. Right. The, the cornerstones and pillars of our of, of our yeah. generation, with, yeah. without question. We start sloughing them off as they get to it. Yeah, I mean that's just a natural age. part of age, right? Yeah. You know, the people you grew up on go away. That's yeah. just the way it is. But I think here, and I mean, so first of all, let me clarify this, and you know this, but I think Eddie Van Halen is the greatest guitar player ever, and mm-hmm. I think Van Halen produced a lot of very memorable music. Um, that being said, Van Halen is not a band that I listen to very frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not something, aside from his technical prowess, when you put it on, and that, that just as a guitar player is more frustrating than anything else, right? right. You know, I mean, I, I spent the last week since he died walking around trying to relearn a whole bunch of Van Halen songs, and, <laughs> and God damn it, they're hard. They're, they're really, they're really it, hard. It, we're going to play, um, so the, 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 the format we're going to do here uh, is we're going to play our top five favorite songs. Uh, again, this is favorite, not our top, and so if you're looking for... Uh, you know, these are the best Van Halen songs. Don't look yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, This is not that at all. Uh, and if you're at home and you're a musician and you want to play along, please take your guitar and put it well, up. Play uh, along. There's, uh, no, I'm, I'm saying don't play along. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, a, couple th- a couple things on this. Ground rules. Yeah. Don't play your guitar along. Ground, ground rules. I don't want to hear you try to play Eddie Van Halen. Um, and, and here's why. Uh, first of all, he played a lot of stuff in drop D. Uh, which is that his top string on the guitar was dropped from E down in whole step to D. And then they tuned 
everything down a half step on their guitar. Yeah, everything was a ha- to my knowledge, everything's a half step down one way or the other. And you know, a lot of guys, Hendrix did that. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys do that. You release some tension on the strings. It also makes it a little easier to sing high. Sure, but, you know, sure. so it makes sense. And, and they sing a lot of high stuff. Um, as we go through his, we'll point out that uh, David Lee Roth, the first singer that was there. He was a lot of screams and a lot of ow, you know, and that yeah. kind of stuff. Whereas uh, Sammy Hagar was a much better singer overall. But still a very just loud, yeah. like, kind of high Rally kind of screaming. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that stuff. And uh, all their backing vocals were super high. I mean, Michael Anthony's voice is The, the genius way Michael high. Anthony. I, I don't know that people recognize how much Michael Anthony contributed to their to sound. Van Halen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the entire, like, all the big harmonies, the big choruses, all the sing-along parts and stuff. Um, that, I mean, that's Michael Anthony's pulling all that stuff off, and yeah. he's and Eddie Van Halen sings background as well. I mean, he's no no slouch in the background vocals department, but man, Michael Anthony, everything he, uh, you know, and that's, he's an interesting guy too. I know we're going all over the place here, but you know, his his background vocals are fantastic. Yeah, and he's actually a pretty good bass player, and I know bass players that have, and myself included as a guitar player, they've given him a lot of grief over the years for like the guy just literally plays the root note, you know, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. But there's one track that you have and in points, like you, like you yeah, pointed yeah, out, yeah. Like, like like his left hand is just pointing out there, and he's mugging and smiling. Yeah, and he's, he's like playing the open and string and just pointing at everybody. <laughs> yeah. and doing, you know. Hey, you know, thirty thousand people out there listening to me in Rio de Janeiro or whatever, like listen to this. Yeah, like Kip <laughs> Winger totally stole that from him, right? <laughs> you know, the the, the one fingered bass thing with the pointing at the audience. Yeah, but uh, he's actually a really good bass player. Uh, like I said, you have a track on here. You can actually hear him doing some cool stuff. There's some yeah. times when he like steps out and plays some really cool stuff. So it sure. wasn't that he wasn't capable. He was just playing what was right for the guy on the stage with him, who was the most insane guitar player at the time to ever come around. Yeah. Right? He's playing like all of this. Ins- <laughs> like Eddie gets all this credit for these the leads and the virtue of the tapping and all that kind of stuff. But his just the song parts, the, the, the rhythm parts, if you will, yeah. although they're not really rhythm. I mean, this guy just isn't strumming chords. I mean, his riffs and the stuff that he's playing is really, really intricate and cool a lot of the time. It's super, a lot of fun. Super intricate. And yeah. even on simple songs, he's doing fun little riffs and stuff all over the place. So, right. And, um, and the whole time on stage, he's smiling and mugging, and he's just like kind of looking at it like Rain Man, like, what am this yeah, thing? You that, know, that's, like, that's the other thing that I think is hilarious about that is because uh, – you, you go back and you watch the video, especially like the live stuff, yeah. and he's always smiling and yeah. happy. Like everybody, like you know, Lo- we, we loves grew, it. Lo- loves up, what he's doing. Yeah, we grew up in the grunge era, right? And you know, uh, Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains is one of my favorite guitar players. He looks sad all yeah. the time, right? Or you know, you get the Pearl Jam guys, and they're always like they're you know, so depressed and it's miserable. And and then you get Eddie Van Halen up there just ripping out, you know, thirty second notes, and with this grin on his face, yeah, like having, having a good like time, having the best time in the world. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, uh, and, and you know what's funny? there's actually a, there's an entire genre of music called shoegazing. You know, my bloody Valentine right, 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 shoegazing music. Just standing uh, on stage and like not looking at your feet, and, yeah. just not like never even look up. You know, just kind of like leaning into the microphone and like oh everything. Exactly. That sucks too. <laughs> My own plane sucks. <laughs> Versus these guys. Fire that, me. What what we were used to is these guys wearing like leopard tight pants, uh, jumping around and doing high kicks and, uh, and. And so I think you could say the drunk, the the grunge and the shoegazing and all that stuff was obviously a reaction. It to, was a reaction. Absolutely. The end of the eighties when all the cock rock stuff was just saturating the airwaves. Yeah. Everybody had taken what Van Halen did at the beginning of the decade or the end yep. of the previous decade and had just gone batshit crazy with it and gone right. absolutely insane. And so then, you know, everybody puts on flannel and stares at the ground and gets yeah. sad because 
the, the party rock stuff is just it's it's gone. It's, yeah, it's gone true. way over the top. It's yep. nuts. We're, we're done. We're we're tired of having a good time. Exactly. And now we're at the point where we're really pensive. But I often say that love and hate are not opposites. Love and hate are the exact same emotion. Uh, love and hate are the exact opposite of ambivalence. Oh, that's a good point. Indifference. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Apathy. Um, and so, you know, strong and, emotions versus lack thereof. Yeah, yeah. 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 But if you go back and listen to some of the music, uh, some of the lyrics that, uh, especially the stuff that Sammy Hagar was, was, uh, putting in here. I mean, it's a pretty deep stuff. You know, he, he was a much better lyricist than, than DLR. Yeah. Was. W- without question. I mean, yeah. Roth is, uh, once again, this is, this is girls and, and it was campy. Oh, very, yeah, very like, campy. Like, like, almost oh, like it, we're having fun with it. Right. Yeah. And like all of his, uh, like, and I've got a couple of them on my list where he does this, but like the breakdown things where he's like talking to the, starts talking to <laughs> Hello, the, uh, hey, a little preview there. When he <laughs> yeah, uh, no, listen to that. starts talking to the, uh, like the studio, you know, hey, one break coming up, yeah. you know, all that kind of Come crap. on, Dave. Give Come us on, Dave. Yeah. Goes, yeah, that kind of stuff. And Sammy Hagar definitely wasn't that. Although I prefer Roth era Van Halen sure. dramatically over. And so the problem with Hagar's, era van halen is you're right it's it's more intricately written or yeah. more complicated stuff but he also kind of has a like a real soft rock vibe to a lot of his lyrics in sure. a lot of ways right it's like late era chicago or something like that you know i'm so glad you said that let's let's get into this let's do it as, as um we'll, we'll do a quick biography yeah yeah let's do it who, who these guys were i, I don't want to make this about a, like a van halen biopic even though yeah. it, it is van halen i mean we're but. talking about eddie more than we're talking about the band but you can't really talk about eddie without at least talking about the band a little bit right Eddie because, is the band yeah i mean well but the, well and well i mean yeah i mean you, you gotta have both right you know i mean that, that was the right group of guys for the time there's no telling he could have ended up in a different band with some different guys sure and be working at a safeway right now right i mean you know right. I mean, as, as talented as he was um he probably would have been teaching guitar, not working at a Safeway. But, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. T- there's that. There is a chemistry that all great bands have to have. Like they all complement each other to the point where they actually go somewhere. Yeah. And especially for a band that had a with multiple singers that had this catalog that ran for decades. You know, mm-hmm. their popularity spanned decades. Yep. I mean, it can't just be one guy. But- yep. Uh, so uh, just as a I don't know, kind of a preview, there really were three different bands that we're going to be talking about all named Van Halen. Sure. Uh, there was Van Halen and that is Eddie and his brother, Alex. And then Michael Anthony with David Lee Roth, who was somebody they hooked up with in LA. Uh, I, I read a funny story about that this week. I didn't know that, but I just got to interject this. This is fine. Um, so according to the story I read, the way they ended up with David Lee Roth is they were renting his PA. Okay. <laughs> and just were like, you know, it'd just be cheaper to, just use the guy and not rent the PA. So I have no idea if that's true or not, but that is such a cool story that I had to throw it in there anyway. Now, I, I did know that at one point, uh, Michael Anthony was playing, uh, he was actually opening for Eddie's band. Yeah, he uh, sang in his own band, like yeah. sang and played bass. And in I his think own it was band. called Snake. Uh, something, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and Eddie's, their PA blew out, and so they asked to use Michael. We borrowed his. Yeah. Okay. So th- there seems to be a lot of swapping of instruments here. I mean, and this is this is all shit. Like, these are all stories from the late 70s, right? And yeah. this is pre-social media. This is like, there's no written record of any of this stuff. So yeah. this is all this is all stories, so who knows? But they're uh, all good it, stories. It's so. all oral history. Oral history. There yeah. you go. That's what I was looking for. Alex uh, Van Halen was born in 1953. Uh, he is the older of the brother. Right, and also the drummer, yep. for those of um, you that are not aware of that. His little brother, Eddie, was born in 1955. They were both born in Amsterdam right. uh, That to uh, to Dutch parents. 
uh, Jan and Eugenie, I believe was her name. And um, she wasn't she wasn't Dutch. Gosh, I, she was from an island. I'm so glad you oh, said that. I forget that. where. I, let, let me talk about Alex Van Halen for just a go second. Go for it. I'm a drummer. Uh, we talked about this. Oh yeah, and Alex is Alex is a monster drummer. There, Alex was the apex of drumming to me as as a kid because I would listen to it because he was he, he was the first one to bring like this speed drum and it was different than Bonham. Well, like, and once were, again, that was what was on the radio when, I, when we were growing. It's formative, right? Yeah, like this yeah. is the drummer you're seeing that's actually kicks yeah, ass all the time. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but Alex also like whenever I would see pictures of him in Hit Parader or whatever Rolling Stone or whatever magazine that I had Hit Parader. Oh my goodness, that's <laughs> a blast. I, I would look at him and I'd go, "Wow, Dutch people are really exotic looking." And they're not. <laughs> yeah. He, he is a really, <laughs> right, really right. interesting guy. And then Eddie, you know, if you look at him, they kind of look alike. And, you know, Eddie kind of looks like a little elf that he has this, like, exotic look to him as well. well. They definitely don't look like what you think of, like, if somebody says, Dutch, go, and you, like, put this vision in your head, that's not what you see. It was for me because I always assumed that Dutch people had dark hair and just looked exotic. And kind of olive skin. Yeah. yeah. As it turns out, at one time, the Dutch were very prolific in getting on a boat. Going to a land where people lived, <laughs> right? <laughs> like they already had a flag, but we put our flag the, in it. Like, so this is 2020. We uh, there's a lot of words we can't use anymore. <laughs> yeah, but uh, at some point, the Dutch made their way down to Indonesia Correct, uh, yeah. on the island of Java, and they uh, that's through, she was Indonesian. That's yeah, it. Through okay. a series of colonization, they like this that's is one of the words. Land. That's yeah. one of the words. And uh, from now on, you are all speaking Dutch, and uh, therefore you are Dutch. And, and so, so that's how she ended up. Right, and so if okay. if you she she's Asian, and so now you look back on it and you go, oh, Alex Van Halen is Asian. That's why. That's why. Right. That that makes sense. But the other thing was he always had sunglasses on. Yeah, that, that's right. I forgot about even when he was like hitting the gong and setting it on fire, yeah. he was wearing sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and people would ask like, why does Alex always wear sunglasses even inside? Uh, the great Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm, right. uh, which, by the way, our friend Dan Javelins of Retail Smart Guys, That's is, right. uh, he, he was actually on a, 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 an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Retail Smart Guys is a uh, sponsor. Which, if you have not seen that particular section of that episode, you need to go find it on YouTube immediately and watch Dan completely kill it. L- look up Hiram Katz. Hiram Katz, attorney at law. <laughs> attorney at law. Uh, the great Dan Javelins is the, uh, is, is the attorney in that. Okay, so th- this is off topic, but I have to tell this story. Okay. So um, so we've known Dan for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. Uh, he had a Little Caesars pizza commercial. He did. That was out several years ago. Keeps going and going and, and going, going forever. forever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And so we were at uh, we were in California at a conference, and Dan was there, and that commercial had been on. And I kept telling my children, I was like, "I know that guy. Like, I work with that guy." And they're like, "Yeah, okay." So I was like, "Can I get a picture?" It's like I took a picture of Dan and like sent it to my I'll text it all my boys. I was like, "I told you, I know this guy." So they thought that was funny. But anyway, that's my, my story. My buddy about Dan. did. But my son, from time to time, when when Dan Dan was on a Facebook commercial, he played a. Uh, the professor at the blackboard. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, my son just like nonchalantly one day he was watching TV and he goes, "Hey, Dad, your buddy's on TV again." <laughs> that's fun. I, I lo- listen. You and I are not important, but we know people. Uh, we who know are. people who are. There you yeah. go. That's exactly right. Uh, Alex always wore sunglasses, as they used to say, because he's cool all the time. But the truth was that he has a uh, very uh, strong sensitivity to light. Oh, okay. And so he always wore sunglasses. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so they moved here. They're, they're immigrants, and they moved to California when they were little, right? Slow down. Okay. They went from Amsterdam to Indonesia because oh, they could okay. go back and forth. And so they moved to Indonesia for a bit. Uh, his father, Jan, 
was a musician. Yes. He was a, a very, he was Classic a Classic pianist, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they raised their kids around music all the time. And I, so they were around music. Alex and Eddie were around music yeah, all the, the their time. Their parents wanted them both to be classically trained right. pianists. I saw right. there was a quote Eddie had about moving, and I know I'm a little bit ahead of you, but about moving to California where he said that they, they were the great American success story. Right. His parents moved here with $50 in a piano. $50 in a piano. Yeah. They, they, Jan and Eugenia were trying to find their place in the world, and they happened to end up in Pasadena. Right. Uh, Jan ended up... At, Again, as a as a musician trying to make it in the world, he ends up washing dishes at at a hotel, like so many musicians do. Yeah, yeah. Eugenia ends up. Uh, I think she was a, like maybe a housekeeper at a at a hotel or something like that. I mean, they they, they literally got off a boat and they all spoke Dutch. Uh, they Eddie right. and Alex spoke Dutch. Right, that's what they spoke when they first got yeah. here when they were little. Yeah, you know? and, and if you ever hear them talk, you don't hear Alex talk very often. But if you ever hear them talk, you wouldn't think that there's any sort of accent at all. No, no, no. The California. Lack of accent, if you will, yeah. had overshadowed whatever they grew up with, yep. which is the way it works. They moved here, I think, when they were nine and seven years old. I think that's right. Uh, they came here. Their parents uh, put them through classic piano training uh, to the point where uh, I've read. Okay, so the other like big reveal here that I have to do is my roommate from college, Aaron, Unky Aaron, uh, <laughs> is uh, possibly the biggest Van Halen fan of all time. Uh, he Van Eddie Van Halen is his idol. To you, the point. You're throwing down a gauntlet there, right? There's, there's a lot of people, people who are serious are serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, allow me to qualify Unky Aaron's qualifications. <laughs> sure, here. go for it. Unky Aaron had a PV Wolfgang guitar, okay, which nice. was Eddie's. That was uh, his signature guitar. line. Yeah. yeah, it was his signature line. He had a 5150 amplifier head. By PV, also his signature line of amps. Running yeah. through a cabinet, the 5150 cabinet, which was 412s, I think, uh, maybe maybe 415s, but regardless. It's a very, very loud rig. Unky Aaron is an Eddie Van Halen fan. Yeah, he's a, sounds like a disciple, yeah. actually. Uh, Unky Aaron also told me recently that he just uh, acquired one of the, uh, the Frankenstrat knockoffs. Okay, holy shit. Because I got to... <laughs> Okay, so I went to high school with a guy who was a couple years older than me. Okay, um, who totally worshipped this guy as a guitar player, right? And uh, we don't keep in touch, but I see him on Facebook. You know how that works. Yeah, and, uh, great guitar player, amazing guitar player. And he posted on Facebook the day Eddie Van Halen died that he had just gotten one of those. Mm. Had j- like had been on the waiting list for a year, and just so that that is hilarious to me that we both know somebody that has one of those yeah. insanely expensive rem- remakes. You know, that's right. Let, let's oh, let's take a, like let's take a step back for the listener's sake. Uh, Eddie was a gearhead. He watched his brother Alex play drums, and so he wanted to play drums. He idolized his brother Alex. Well, yeah. I think it, I think they were when they were little, weren't they reversed? Wasn't Eddie? playing drums and alex was the guitar player no no no, it was no the other no, way no, around no, no. okay okay alex started, picked up drums and so eddie wanted to play drums and then eddie would go okay gotcha. and eddie even got his own drum kit and then he heard alex like playing and he realized i'll never be able to do this I'm gonna so, do the guitar thing. so he okay. picked up a guitar gotcha. um being that they were sons of immigrants and being that they were poor sons of immigrants uh they tinkered with their stuff they were putting stuff right. together it was like like junkyard band not like fat albert you know where you just like you know, take the <laughs> take the gramophone. Speed, you right. know, like, like the, the, the constant gearhead. I, I can make this sound better. Yeah. I know I can. Yeah. So uh, he, let's talk about Eddie's he, progression as a musician. Then, sure, a, sure. As we get to this, because we're going to come back to that gear. Eddie was a classically trained pianist. His mm-hmm. mother and father didn't have much money, but they wanted to make sure that Eddie and Alex both uh, were proficient on the piano, and so they both took. Uh, 
piano lessons to the point where Eddie talks about his piano teacher would slap his hands, right. smack his hands if he got a note wrong. And so he was a gorgeous piano player. It, I, and I have to, I'm just going to interject this real quick because I, when I was, when I was reading that, those stories, I thought that was fascinating because that is such a, and I mean this in insanely complimentary, that is such an immigrant thing like I want my children to be able to do this and you will do this and I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to make sure it happens yeah where those of us that grew up here and have been here a long you know there, not that there's great not great musicians here well, sure but that but that dedication and drive that sacrifice my kids are going to be able to play this mm-hmm. kind of thing I mean that is a very specific mindset it and, totally is and and, maybe, and it's not like sacrificing so your kids can have an xbox I mean, this is sacrifice yeah, because yeah, you or want an iPhone them, or something, yeah, right? Well, this is sacrifice because you want them to be able to accomplish something which you consider to be very, very, very important, and which is kind of you know, piano lessons are at one time were a thing of of the wealthy, right? Sure. You could afford to have somebody come to your house and pay your child to learn how to play this very large and expensive instrument. Yeah, and I just think that's I think that's amazing, and, and, it, and we're not talking a lot of the work. I think that's where a lot of the, the work ethic to become such an insanely good musician probably comes from is that the drive that you were given it probably point. so yeah. uh you, you take immigrants who were euro who mm-hmm. had an appreciation for fine arts classical music yeah, yeah who also had an influence of of uh of, from the asian culture which is bootstraps got to make it work Absolutely. work till it does yeah, yeah. you know and, and beat you till you get it right type uh you show up in in california where everything is like laid back and cool and like we're not going to do that we're i'm going as a classically trained musician i'm going to wash dishes for so my that family. you can have piano lessons yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway so, i didn't mean to interrupt you but that, oh, you, you, yeah. listen i mean the, the progression of, of eddie van halen started on piano uh, it got to guitar. He started putting things together. Eddie Van Halen was the owner of three U.S. patents, by the yeah, way, by right the time he died, yeah. uh, for different innovations that he made using a guitar. Uh, we talked about Frank- Frankenstrat a few right, minutes so, ago. Yeah, so for the, uh, if, if you don't know what the Frankenstein guitar is, um, you anybody that's listening, um, you've seen the videos, and it's the red guitar with like the white and the yellow tape. stripes yeah. across it, yeah. kind of thing. Start, started as as yellow and white with black on it, ended up somehow with red. Right, right. Yeah, and and then it, it and, and, and that literally he put that together like it was a neck from this, and he had these pickups and, and the, this maple and, neck ash body. Uh, he he tore out that there were three holes for pickups. He tore one of them out and left the the, the springs inside of it. Right. I mean, it looks like it looks like a piece of junk. And by right? the way, that is uh, that's in the Smithsonian. And Frankenstrat is yeah the, the original his original. Fr- yeah, I'm saying Frankenstrat. It's a it's a it's a Fender Stratocaster with something that, else bolted on. I mean, he's got different pieces on there. It's, yeah, he he had a uh, was it a quarter. At the very top, that was drilled right. through, like a, like a, like, I want to talk about a coin that had had drilled through. Uh, he his pick guard, which is that piece of plastic underneath that keeps the body from getting scratched up from your pick. Right. Uh, he had carved that out of some piece of plastic. Maybe it was a record or something. I, I, I don't even remember what he got it from. But it was just like this 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 piece of shit guitar where he took like a 1958 uh, whammy bar. Or no, it was a tremolo. It was the tremolo. The tremolo. He had to have the tremolo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he he takes that off some of the guitar. He just puts all this stuff together and he creates this instrument all of his own. And that's what uh, he he played some. He played different things early on, but that was kind of that's the thing he's famous for that he played the most. You know, yeah. he, and he tweaked his amps. He tweaked everything. That guitar I was going to say is it was in the Smithsonian and uh, at our very very good uh, natural science museum over in Fort Worth a few years uh, maybe two years ago. They had a guitar exhibit there, which I went to. And it was really cool, and that 
is in there. They they were traveling around with all, and so like Jimmy Page had a guitar in there, and Jimi Hendrix had a guitar, all these different guitars, right? And that's in there. And that's like the the big thing in the middle with like the light shining on it, wow. and it's an ugly son of a bitch. <laughs> it's well, and and they're making reproductions of it to be very close to. You can buy a brand new version, version of, of this, this yeah. thing, yeah, and it. The, but the we're one, talking like twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, $20,000 is what your friend paid for. Uh, Unky Aaron didn't pay like that. that yeah. He didn't pay that much for it, but he still, I, I think he paid probably fifteen to sixteen thousand, sixteen hundred bucks. You know, well, for, and for I, th- I think at one point, and, and they're, they're probably being made at different. I, I don't know all the specifics of the making, but I do know that they went through the roof. The day Eddie Van Halen died, oh, right? You know, now, you know, oh yeah, 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 on October seventh. Yeah, now they're way more expensive. <laughs> so uh, Eddie's proficiency on a guitar. It's it's more than just a piano player that was watching his brother become a phenomenal drummer and trying to keep sure, up. Sure, sure. It's different than that because what he was doing was he was doing uh, a, a – he didn't create this style. But that sound that you hear from Eddie Van Halen, what he's doing – if you think about someone who's playing a guitar – their left hand, assuming it's a right-handed guitar player, their left hand is turned upside down on the fretboard. That's where you press the, the strings. Uh, the right hand is is strumming back and forth. What Eddie was doing is he took his right hand and put it right next to his left hand, and he was tapping on the strings. Yeah, and that, that's called tapping. Yeah. yeah, and so that style. Uh, the, the, I, I, so he didn't he didn't invent that. He, he didn't. Um, the guy from Genesis, uh, Steve. Uh, uh, I can't remember. The, the yeah, somebody was name. doing it even before that, I think, but they didn't do it a lot. Like he definitely took that. And ran with it. Yeah, and, just, and so he was playing a guitar like he would play a piano. And so he he was proficient on a piano as a classically trained pianist, but he was playing a guitar like that. Right, right. And, uh, and the it, thing with piano is, you know, my mom's a pianist, and my aunt, and I took piano lessons when I was a kid. My mom used to say, like, if you can play piano, you can play anything. Yeah. Because you've got all ten fingers are doing something. Right. You know, and the, the, the traditional guitar player, like, if you're just strumming stuff, your right hand isn't doing anything more than holding a pick. I mean, it's for most rock players anyway, right. right? You know, if you're classical or some flamenco, you're playing with your fingers. But otherwise, sure. you're just strumming something. Yep. Whereas, you know, and he strummed a lot, don't get me wrong. And he could play super fast and do everything. But, yeah, that tapping thing with both fingers, I mean, that's, that's a very complex thing to pull it, off. It's, it's crazy. So and especially for him to make that such a big part of his repertoire. Right, you know? right, right. And so it, he was doing a lot of pentatonic uh, scales. Uh, so he he was actually yeah playing. early Van Halen's lots of blues derivative yeah seventies well, lots rock of stuff, lots yeah. of blues blues stuff a lot of cover stuff where they would take a song like Dancing in the Streets or uh, what was that uh, what was that oh that's uh, the Kinks the Kinks, the yeah. Kinks you really yeah, got me. really got me yeah, yeah that was the second or third track on on their very first album. yeah Eruption then leads into that yeah yeah, yeah. and so um, he, he not only was he tapping on so he was using both hands on the fretboard he was also leaving his finger on that and running it back down the string oh, so yeah. it, it would go whoop in this like, new sound that guitar had never made before yeah everybody in hard rock has done the uh like the pick dive stuff and that's where you like you take your pick that you're playing with your right hand and you just run it down the strings and makes that right. and for some reason his sound different and i finally saw some guy talk about this and it's like in you know, I never even would have thought of this, and obviously I'm in nowhere near Eddie Van Halen's caliber of guitar playing, but this guy pointed out that when he would do that, the pressure, he would bring the pressure up, and so like he was actually like impacting the strings differently and different. And so, so he, he was just, changing he was thinking, the tone. Yeah, so like, down? Would, like Th- just, that's mastery. That's mastery. That's, beyond- mastery. that's mastery of your instrument. Like you know what you're doing yeah. at that point. You you figured the whole thing out. It, everything to to a scientific granular level. And once again, 
that he was doing it with a smile on his face. Yeah. And, and having a good time. Me. Yeah. Uh, before MC Hammer was doing his like hammer dance back and forth, Eddie Van Halen was dancing all over the stage in these big giant pants, like doing high kicks and splits and smiling and mugging and like, oh, can you believe this is happening? You know, that type of thing. While Alex is back there destroying the drum set. And, and God damn it, I know. Every time we do this podcast, this comes up in some fashion or another, and it makes me feel like the fucking oldest man in the world. But I'm going to say it. There were kids that listened to Eddie Van Halen that picked up a guitar and just wanted to play a guitar. Now they use auto-tune and drum really? machines and shit, right? I mean, like th- this was like literally organic. Th- these are guys in a room just making music, <laughs> man, just banging shit out. And yeah, they were singing about chicks and parties and whatever, but... Like just just the, the the woodshedding time to like sit alone in your room until you mastered how to do this kind of stuff and yeah. just continue to make that your craft, yep. um, as opposed to plugging into a computer and just pressing a button. Yep. It, it just it astounds me to think that Van Halen, like this rock band, was so popular and was covered up MTV. You know, and nothing against the guys that are on MTV now, but this. Well, I mean, actually, something against them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a this, lot of a lot of against yeah. them actually. You know. Um, uh, there's the lack of talent and hard work versus so much natural talent and so much hard work. Yeah. It's just such a, and I know that makes me seem like the old man screaming at the sky, but it, it just astounds me sometimes to think about that. I, I tell my son constantly, the guys who play in the NFL have been playing since they were little kids. Right. And when, when they were little kids, uh, they practiced and they practiced and they practiced and they played. And something good happened because they they were playing what they practice. Right. Uh, the man that taught me how to play drums, Buddy Matei, used to say, "Practice makes permanent." Right. Practice makes permanent, not perfect. Permanent. permanent. Yeah. And if you practice perfectly, then perfect practice will make permanent perfect. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so, if you get to that point where you're practicing constantly, those kids who play football at an early age get to the point where they're playing in junior high, then they play in high school, and the best ones get to go to college, and the best ones get to go to the NFL. But you know what they all have in common? They all practice every single yeah. day. You can't you you can't take someone who is the best at what they do, and and, and not have this quality. Michael Jordan had it. Uh, LeBron James, who's the Michael Jordan of what was it? He, he's the uh, he's the Michael Jordan of being LeBron James. Was that it? Like, LeBron James is the Michael Jordan of almost being Michael. Jordan. Of almost being <laughs> Michael Jordan. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but regardless, right, uh, right. Michael. No, Jordan. but you, your your point is exactly right. It, 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 you have to have the natural talent, which obviously Eddie Van Halen had buckets of natural talent, but also the dedication and the hard work. I mean, not everybody gets. Not everybody can do that. He, and not everybody will do that. He woke up wanting to play the guitar, and they had to knock the guitar out of his hand. Right, right, exactly. You know, he, he would eat and not shower and just wake up and want to just play, play guitar. Yeah. yeah, just to perfect his his art. Um, it, and, of course, later in life, he'd get up and not shower and just drink a lot of wine. But yeah. that's another story. That, that, that was <laughs> the, the downfall of, of Ed. Um, it, well, and then also, I mean, like we're getting ahead of ourselves. But, you know, obviously, as great as they were, I mean, every band has a lifespan. And, you know, eventually... Then you just end up going to concerts and watching them do the same stuff right. over and over again. Which I, I read that they're, I think they're 2012. That was the one where they took uh, his son out on bass. Yeah, Wolfgang. Right? Yeah. I, and that was Roth. Was that Roth singing? Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Because Hagar yeah. wouldn't go unless they took Michael Anthony. And stuff. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And the, that's what, that was the chicken foot side. That, yeah, like, and then you get chicken foot, yeah. which has got, that's the Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer. Yeah. He's part of that as well. Yeah. Chad, um, Chad Smith. But I Michael think that Anthony, was their. I was laughing about this with somebody the other day. I think that was their highest grossing tour ever in, in the band's history, right? Right. Well, and it's because 
all the kids that had shitty seats in the 70s and the 80s could actually afford the Burrow seats now. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're all grown up. It's like, ah, fuck it. I'll spend yeah. $1,000 on a ticket. I don't care. All, all the, uh, on the burnout lawn. <laughs> right, you know, right, was, right, right. You know, the guys that were out smoking weed on the burnout it's lawn. Like, now I can afford front row seats. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, we got way off topic on yeah, that. We did. Uh, you mentioned his son, uh, Wolfgang. Wolfgang, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, f- uh, Eddie had, uh, he went from his Frankenstrat to a Kramer guitar in the early 80s. Uh, he created the 5150 along with Which is the PV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then right after that, they released the PV Wolfgang, right. which was the guitar. It's his signature guitar. He signed on with Eddie Ball to make his signature strings that were 9-gauge right, uh, right. at the high school. Because he, he played a lot of stuff and broke a lot of strings. Yeah, right? yeah he, obviously. Yeah, and then in the early aughts, uh, he signed on with Fender. And with Fender, then they created the EVH line. Right, that was that's kind of had some humbuckers in it, like a little, a little more of a hot yeah. Stratocaster, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, by that point, he had reached Elder Statesman uh, world. Uh, now, I do want to point out that Eddie Van Halen's real name is Edvard Ludwig von Halen. His son is uh, uh, is named Wolfgang, and so that's where this comes oh, from. Slight classical music yeah. uh, reference there. Sure. One was named after Mozart. One was named after Beethoven. It's Can't so, go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Th- these guys had they had classic music. They had the greats in their blood. Without the question. Yeah. So, yeah. So we've got the greats, and th- th- we've got these classically trained guys that are phenomenal. Um, they start playing in bands when they're the, the brothers are playing in bands in like junior high and high school, obviously, and working their way through it. And then they start to get serious, start to build the band. And then we fast forward to the point where they're out, like they're out on the road and they're playing and then they get their first record deal. Yeah. And, and here we go. I mean, and this is 1978. That's I mean, 1978. And it starts off the little song uh, that my friend Rita is her favorite song. And that is running with the devil, running with the devil, yeah. which had that big, scary boom, 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 boom. Boom. That Michael Anthony boom, just that boom about, bass right? thing, right? And, yeah. the bow, and then they kick in with the guitar riff, which is not, I mean, as far as Eddie Van Halen goes, that's not a particularly complicated guitar riff, but man, is it cool. Yeah, it's cool. And that, that entire album just just kicks so much butt. Yeah, just and then, you know, and like constantly. here comes David Lee Roth with the screaming and the big drums and everything is going on. And uh, you know that you're in for something. And, yeah. you know, and that, that, that we'd never had before. Sure, and, yeah. and this is different from glam rock, you know, that. Well, uh, and, yeah, you're right, you're right. The stuff in the 70s, like, you know, because disco was right in the middle of this, you know, and, you know, that four-on-the-floor beat that... <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that whole thing. This was different because it was just like this crazy rock and roll that these guys had literally been born from immigrants who were classically trained musicians, or at least Jan was, who taught their kids how to be classically trained musicians. And they did this kind of some... They're playing Simple high school gyms. Blues rock kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. right? Pl- pl- but it doesn't, sound the like kinks. It doesn't sound like anything else. Yeah. Uh, evidently, they knew like seven, six, when they had Le- Roth and they were touring, they had like six or seven kink songs they would play just because they could play them. You yeah. It's like easy to learn and just like rock right. them out all night, you know? Well, and we talked about Ray and Dave Davies. They were brothers. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Eddie and Alex were brothers. And so, I mean, the, those the guys wor- love them, The world right? has got a lot of rock bands with brothers in it. Yeah. yeah. Eddie talks about how much of a, an influence Eric Clapton was on him. That was uh, his favorite guitar player, yeah, I think, right? Yeah. He said he learned most of his stuff note for note. Yeah, the, the cream stuff that the yeah. stuff that, that Eric was doing. Um, but again, Eric, Eddie figured out a way to make rock and roll his own. From 1978, uh, Van Halen, the first album, right. self-titled, was so big that they, in 1979, released Van Halen 2. Van Halen 2, yeah. right. Uh, which, uh, what, again, skyrocketed. And suddenly these guys, by the time 1980 comes around and Women and Children First comes out, uh, by this point, these guys are they, – they are – the best that there is out there. Stadium tours, the whole nine yards. Yeah. yeah. And then Fair Warning Fair comes warning. out. 
and then Diver Down comes out, and I'm going to stop right there before you go any farther. Okay. Because at this point, these guys are, are huge. Uh, they're the biggest of the arena rock guys. You Absolutely, know, yeah. It, uh, they fill arenas. It, it's not even a question of when they sell out. Uh, it's that they it, will sell out. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, I mean, it, it's going to be a sellout no matter what. Correct. Uh, and their albums are all going to be huge, but no album was up to that point like 1984. 1984. So 1984, you see a, a big difference in their sound. Right. You know, Eddie, uh, obviously being a pianist, is very interested in synthesizers mm-hmm. and you get a lot more synth stuff on this one. And sure D- David Lee Roth had fought him on the synth stuff for years. D- yeah, DLR hated it. He hated the synth sound. Well, he, he thought that, that that wasn't Van Halen. Van Halen was big, huge Eddie Van Halen guitars. Bluesy stuff. And, and screaming and having some fun with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, 1984 ended up being their biggest selling album to that point. And was it the biggest? No. Spoiler alert. Okay. Real quick. Um, w- when we get into our, uh, our 10 favorite songs here five so this, this was not their this was not their biggest seller nope. but it was uh, the biggest up till now okay uh, in 1984 they released 1984 in january of 1984 they released Correct. it uh this is the iconic album with the angels smoking a pack of cigarettes the angels smoking a pack okay yeah. so there's a funny uh I, it's amazon music i think it's amazon music i can't remember but you can look this album up on whichever music site it is i forget and it's got a picture of the angel smoking cigarettes and the description of the album is uh did a, the Van Halen like to do a lot of coke in the eighties or something like that? Like somebody had edited that in, which is just I think absolutely hilarious. But yeah, anyway. they did a lot of coke. Uh, so in 1984, this album comes out. It's not a particularly long album. I think there's only eight or nine tracks on it. Uh, every single track in this album was awesome. It was absolutely Huge hits. awesome. Huge hits. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, the last album, by the way, that had an instrumental on it. Every single album up to this point had an instrumental of right. Eddie literally sitting Just there doing something. Doing something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was the uh, the very the opening track on this thing. And after that, then th- the real opening track was a song called "Jump," and "Jump" was huge. But "Jump" did not include Eddie starting out on guitar. Yes, yeah, this is where we get the keyboard. This is where we get the keyboards. Yeah. yeah. So he returns back to the piano, and so he's playing these these synthesizers. And suddenly, David Lee Roth is something that he he was a caricature before, like you were talking about before. And, you know, right. give us a break, Dave. One break coming up. up. You know that whole thing. But suddenly, with jump, this was huge. I mean, it, it was massive. This it, is the thing that was on MTV. Constantly. Massive hit. Massive hit. They got a couple of Grammys or something for this, if I remember correctly. I don't... don't... Well, it's a funny thing. So this album ended up on Billboard as the number two album of that year. And it it was beat by... Number one was Michael Jackson's <laughs> right. Beat It. That's right. Hold that thought. We're going to come back We're going to come back to that in just a second. Uh, David Lee Roth and Eddie and Alex end up having a fight. Michael Anthony's on the sidelines. He... You know, poor Michael right. Anthony's kind of caught up in the middle of this thing. He's like the nice guy that just like sits here and drinks beer. He's such and a nice wants, guy. Can we just keep doing this, guys? This is such so much nice fun. Guy. Why are we? Why are we? Yeah. Why are we arguing about this? Uh, DLR decides he's out, and so they kick him out. And so uh, Van Halen starts looking around. Who are we going to fill this? Looking for singers. This, yeah. yeah. And and they look at maybe Patty Smith. They look That's at right. maybe having uh, just a rotating host of singers. singers. Yeah. Uh, but they end up with they end up with a guy by the name of Sammy Hagar. Former lead singer of, of a band Montrose. called Montrose, yeah. and then also solo act yeah. as well. Yeah, and, and he so, was quite successful in his own right. He, he was. He had a little song called uh, "I Can't Drive 55, which yep. was huge, and I'm sure everybody's heard. Yeah, and and really his his whole thing. He was called the Red Rocker. You right. know, lots lots of leather and big fluffy hair, and so the he was kind of huge glammy. curly. 
bouncy hair thing yeah. he had going on. Whereas David Lee Roth was was kind of glammy. Right. Um, I, I was kind of joking <laughs> that uh, Sammy Hagar when he came in, he he presented almost like a woman. Where he had like jazzercise leotards, <laughs> right, yeah. and he had like this looks like off the shirt, sh- yeah, like bit off the shoulder stuff, yeah. and, like with, with the, with like the shirt up on tied the side, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> big fluffy hair, and he's like his real toned thighs, and he's doing these big high kicks and stuff, and like he's so like exercising. Yeah, I think type. I think famously Eddie met him at their uh, Lamborghini or Ferrari mechanic. Like that's exactly right. Yeah, they had the, the same Lamborghini. Mechanic. Yeah. yeah, the same mechanic introduced the two yeah. guys to each other. And so the styles of 1984 and 5150, which is the first album that Sammy Hagar was on, uh, they're different, were way different. Yeah. Um, 1984 was the year 5150. By the way, in case you were wondering, uh, is the California code for if you have someone who's crazy and has to be committed. Also, uh, the name of Eddie's in-house studio, which he named after the code. Yep. Yeah. And and then his his. Uh, his amplifier that he built. Right, right? correct, yeah. Uh, and then sticking with that, after 5150 came about, uh, they wanted to stick with kind of this number code thing. And so they went with the... Uh, OU812. <laughs> OU812. Which begins the first of two rather lewd, if you think about them, album titles. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, OU812 uh, was uh, was really the end, I think, of kind of that like Halcyon Van Halen days. Sure. Uh, where th- that was the end. And... Uh, even the record company that uh, that Van Halen was on, they didn't want to even. They didn't when Sammy Hagar came in. They didn't want to even call the band Van Halen. Right. They um, kind of pushed him to change the name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Again, back to uh, roommate Aaron. His dad used to say that he used to call it Van Hagar. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, he, he refused to acknowledge like Van Halen died in 1984. And then yeah, then we get Van Hagar. Yeah. And OU812 has some very listenable songs, but nothing that's really too crazy. Um, Fifty one fifty, by the way. Went to number one on the Billboard charts. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, OU812 was popular. It had some really cool songs, including... Like Finish What You Started was Finish on there. And, and yeah, Black and Blue. And Black, and, yeah, there were a couple, a couple of big hits on there. Yeah. It, did, it did well for them. Yeah. And about this time was when substance abuse hit, hit Eddie. Eddie was having a hard time with, with booze, with coke, with all the stuff that was going on because they were partying. Uh, he was... He was a man at this point, and it, you just slow down. Yeah, you're you know? getting older in your body because it only takes so much of this, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the entire music... Uh, the heavy metal that they were in, the hard rock that they were in, totally shifted. Yeah, and then they come off tour from this, and uh, you're going into 90, and you've got the, all the grunge stuff that we've talked about. Like uh, The music's shifting. A lot of this stuff is yeah. starting to hit the radio play. P- Pixies has, has really started to change things. Uh, the, guys uh, the college from, rock scene is what's really, yeah. I guess, well, come out. Come out R- R- REM is suddenly not a college huge. band. They're huge. Yeah. Um, but Husker, Red Hot Chili Peppers have got big albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Husker Du was this like, just like, out of nowhere and suddenly these guys are spawning people like the seattle scene of right. soundgarden and pearl jam and nirvana who are the three the triumvirs of yeah. this yeah you, you get to the grunge. you get to this late the the period between ou812 and their next album which was still a massive hit for them by the way massive which uh, which is by the way that's a for unlawful carnal knowledge for unlawful carnal knowledge that is an acronym for fuck for f- in F-U-C-K. case you couldn't do that fast enough yeah. at home. Uh, the, 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 the whole thing was that if you were caught doing that sort of thing, they would put that on. Yeah, yeah. On if, your you, door. If, you, if you were, or if you were in the uh, stocks back in Puritan <laughs> days or something, they'd put that <laughs> yeah, on there. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's not really how the word how the f word came about, folks. But but it, uh, it's it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, that that album had um, a song called Pound Cake, which Eddie and his uh, 
weird equipment thing. Yeah, he, he played that with a drill. He had a the drill, drill thing there. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. He was using the feedback from the drill. Right. Uh, it had a song called Right Here, Right Now. Which was which a was huge hit. Yeah. Huge hit. Generous and Defining. And we were talking about that was in the Pepsi commercial. That's right. Yeah. The Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge was their first Grammy winner. Correct. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, they followed that up with a live album, Right Here, Right Now. And at that point, things went way bad. Sammy Hagar is out. Yeah. He's gone. And uh, the uh, <laughs> this would be a good time for you to bring in the title of the podcast because that's what happened. That, that's when that was said was at this time period, right? Yeah. Between these two albums. Yeah. That, that's that's exactly right. Uh, it, it, you know, and what what's crazy about this whole thing is how rough these Van Halen brothers are on everybody else. You know, they, they are hard to deal with. Um, yeah, it sounds that way, yeah. Yeah. And especially when, when the substance abuse stuff was really starting to kick in, uh, you know, the, the, not just... The smoking and not just the drinking, but the hardcore drugs. Well, it, 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 I think you're right about that, but also think there's most like these bands like they, they record these albums, they spend all this time together in the studios, and personalities are going to kick in at some will, point. Yeah. And you know, Sammy Yeager had, whether you like the music or not, had recorded on his own, had done his own stuff before, so it wasn't like they uh, picked him up out of high school or something. Yeah, and he was the new. Singer. Well, you know, he was eight years older than Eddie. Yeah, look, I mean, he, he, he was an older this, guy. He'd been doing this for yeah. a while, right? His, his so first I, hit with Montrose was in 1973. So this is someone who has been established, and they brought him yeah. on. I mean, he, he had the Lamborghini before he started playing yeah. Van Halen, right? So I would imagine that there's a lot of tension. You know, you guys record a couple albums, and he, Van Halen Brothers are going, this is how we do it. And he's going, come on, guys. I've been doing this for a while. I know what I'm up to, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, regardless, but there was enough tension that he was out. I mean, so you're talking about a band at the pinnacle of success at the time. I mean, these guys were huge. Come off huge. this massive world tour. They've got endorsements and all over the radio. They're on. But once again, music has changed. Back to what we just yep. talked about. So the 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 world that they released Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge into in 91 is not the same musical world when they get out and release their live album in 93. It has changed dramatically totally changed dynamically totally different changed. so so completely different than yeah. what they started with yeah and uh as we have chronicled before as bands get out and you start playing on a nightly basis and when tensions rise and you start fighting if you don't have an allegiance to this thing and the brothers decide you're no longer needed here you are no well, longer you're no here. longer needed and so you're removed uh and there was a and, uh, and do you think that maybe there's a little bit of hubris here as well on the part of the van halen brothers that they were the biggest band in the world, and their singer left. And they said, fuck it. They hired another guy. Stayed the biggest band in the world. Yep. Got a Grammy. Got even a little bit bigger. And they get all, you know, they're not getting along with Sammy Hager. And they're like, you know what? Take a hike, man. Yeah. We've done this before. We can, we can do this again. Yeah, evidently, yeah this is no big Evidently, deal. singers are replaceable in Van Halen. We don't need you. We've That's done right. this. So That's get right. out. We'll, find, we'll hire somebody else. No big deal. Yeah. And then in an interview that Sammy Hagar had, uh, someone asked him, like, you know what? What are you going to do now that, you know, all this is going right. on? You've been kicked out. And, uh, you know, now that Eddie Van Halen has removed you from the band. And his his quote was, who the fuck is Eddie Van Halen? Right? Right. And so the shirt that I had, uh, when I went to the concert at the Cynthia Woods Pavilion uh, with roommate Aaron, uh, the shirt that he and I both had uh, was a picture of Eddie on the front flexing. And on the back it said, who the fuck is Eddie? Who the fuck is Eddie Van Halen? Yeah. Uh, because, and that's what Eddie put out. They went out and got this singer for Extreme. You'll remember Extreme. 
Oh my goodness! Yeah. From one of the worst love ballads ever oh, written, more yeah. than words can more say. More than words, which uh, was Gary Sharon and a guy by the name of Nuno Bentecourt. Nuno Bentecourt. Bentecourt. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the video is lives in infamy. I mean, it's famously uh, two guys sitting in a darkened room playing the song, while the rest of the band lounges around on the couch. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, and it's a shame that. Uh, if you're the rest of the band, that that's the song they remember before, because half the band didn't play in it. But anyway, yeah. Nuno's not a wholehearted was a good song. Wholehearted, yeah, the whole yeah. band that was their other hit as yeah. well. Um, Nuno's not a bad vocalist. I mean, he's got some range. He's for okay. Sure. He's yeah. not. He's not a great guitar player, but whatever. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry. Gary's not a bad vocalist. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, but but Nuno was singing background. Yeah, he's a good guitar. He's a good guitar player. Whatever. Yeah. You know? They're okay. Uh, um, that album. That that album was balanced. They went out and got Jerry, uh, Gary Sharon. Gary Sharon, and that went nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. <laughs> it was a really cool concert, man. I, I'm sure, I'm sure it probably concert. was. And, and that close, being able to see Eddie Van Halen, and, and the other thing was watching Aaron be able to watch Eddie Van uh, Halen. His hero, yeah, yeah for, from that close. I mean, literally within, uh, what like spitting distance, That's right? You know, um, the, the Eddie used to, he, he was one of the first guys to take guitar picks and stick them to his guitars because he was constantly breaking them and then flicking them out. Uh, man, we were looking for a pick. I need a pick. I need a pick. I, I think Aaron's one of the most laid back dudes ever, man. I think he would have whooped somebody's ass, male or female, if there had been a pick. Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion, by the way, is a great place to see a show. It was great. Yeah. It was a great show. I mean, the fact that there are no songs from Balance that I remember with Gary Sharon is. There were no. It's unfortunate because the guy put on a hell of a fucking show. I mean, he oh, was yeah. up there dancing around and stuff. Where, where David Lee Roth was a cheerleader for Eddie Van Halen. Sure. And Sammy Hagar was doing jazzercise mm-hmm. to Eddie Van Halen. Gary Sharon was filled with this, like, angst and this, like, angry energy that they had never had before. And he right. was jumping around. He was up on top of the stage, uh, on top of the risers, jumping off. He had the uh, Freddie Mercury microphone where it was just like the microphone right. thing broken off and he was twirling it and stuff and I mean, uh, they tried some new things with that album uh trying to be trying to stay relevant yeah. you know with the changing trying to be new. times it was yeah. van halen then it was van hagar and then it was this whatever now it's this van halen was. again yeah. Yeah, they're trying to be relevant they're trying to write music that fits with the times yeah. and it was it was a noble effort but the, not anything the fans wanted right and so you know i think they parted with uh gary as i understand it, on very good terms right i mean i don't think they had any bad blood it maybe just didn't work out i think know? he ended up uh I think he ended up building houses. He was okay. he, he got his money, so he He's built houses. Gotcha. Well, that makes uh, sense. That, my friends, is the end, as far as I'm concerned, of, of Van Halen. Uh, th- there, there was a best <laughs> You're exactly of exactly right. Yeah. Th- there's there's a best of Van Halen album that came out in '96 that had three new tracks. Uh, one of which was a song with David Lee Roth for the first time since 1984, right. right. called "Me Wise Magic." That is terrible. It's not a very good song. It's uh, really not. Van Halen 3 came out in 1998. I don't remember a single song from that. I don't even remember who the singer was on that. Uh, I never never listened to it. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't tell you. Best of Both Worlds was their first best of album in 2004. By this point, uh, they were getting ready to uh, to kick Michael Anthony out and bring on Eddie's son, Eddie's son Wolfgang. Right. A different kind of truth came out in 2012. I don't think I've ever even heard a song from that. And then we never listened to it. That live album you were talking about from 2015, right. Tokyo Dome live in concert. I, I've, we've given you a, uh, a history of of Van Halen, just so that we could get to this point where we're we're going to get into our favorite five songs for Van Halen. Uh, have, have we done justice to Eddie Van Halen and what he means? Man, I hope so, but. 
I would say that we we probably could not, right? I mean, there's there there are plenty of people that are so much so like he was such an important musician that he was I was so into him um, that could probably sit on a podcast and talk for six hours about the first album. Yeah, you know, yeah. and obviously that's not what we're trying to accomplish here today. You know, we just want to pay tribute to the guy, right? Um, Amazing musician, great story, influenced so much stuff, kicked out a lot of fantastic music. Tragic ending for a guy who means so much that literally has not contributed to the overall zeitgeist of music literally since the early 90s. Yeah. And so I think he's forgotten a lot. Um, There's probably a lot of kids that don't know who he is, and that's a shame. Yeah, it it really is. We've taken a brief look at the the life and times of Eddie. Eddie Van Halen as as he exists, or at least how he exists in, w- within the periphery of, of what we mean uh, when we say absolute greatness in music. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to put his genius into perspective, and we're going to give you a rundown of our favorite five songs by Eddie Van Halen. Don't go anywhere. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Dan Jablons from Retail Smart Guys. If you're listening to this Our Favorite Album podcast and you know Jason and Michael, then maybe you're in retail. And if you are, then you should know that my company, Retail Smart Guys, could help your company achieve better sales, greater profits, greater cash flow, and a whole lot more fun. So visit www.retailsmartguys.com or call my personal cell at 818-720-2585 and I'll tell you more about it. Attention retail store owners. Imagine this. Your customer walks in and is greeted by an associate with a tablet in hand. As they browse the store, your rep makes recommendations based on their current selections, all the while building an accurate customer profile that you can use to improve business. On the back end, this powerful retail management software ensures you have the correct inventory on hand, follows up with customers to bring them back to the store, and provide the best possible service. Turn each and every one of your employees into a superstar at RetailProDemo.com. That's Retail ProDemo.com. Before we get too deep into the conversation, I do want to give a quick shout out to our friends at PodcastMagazine.com. PodcastMagazine.com included us on their Hot 50 chart for October at number 48. Uh, And so thank you so much for the folks at PodcastMagazine.com. If you would, please go check out PodcastMagazine.com. There's a link there to vote for us once again. Fill in our favorite albums hosted by Jason and Michael. We appreciate you so much. We are running down the greatness that is Eddie Van Halen. Trying to answer the immortal question... Of who the fuck is Eddie Van Halen? Well, my friends, this who the fuck is Eddie Van Halen. Uh, We have put together our favorite songs, uh, our our top five favorite songs uh, that Eddie Van Halen was involved in, and we wanted to present those to you. These are in somewhat of no order, although I did save our uh, our last two uh, songs to be our favorite songs that we both said. Our our number ones to be the last two. Yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. Um, You went first on... Uh, when we were doing our top ten songs of all time, so I went ahead and just yeah, put mine this, down. this is you then, man. And this is an interesting selection, so yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so, uh, when I was putting my top five songs together, 
uh, just like I did before. I start making a chart. I get to that point. Did you do the same where you're like, I can't leave this one out? Well, right? I, I started making a list, and I, and I changed it, as you know, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I just substituted <laughs> yeah. a song. And it, there's one track on here that just came, kind of came about accidentally because I was actually talking to somebody about the song. Right. I was like, well, this... I'm going to put that on there. Why not? So yeah. let's have some fun with it. But yeah, my number one was an easy pick for me because it's been my favorite for since it came out. Yep. It's my favorite Van Halen song for forever. But yep. uh, the others were, yeah, it was just a matter of charting it down and listening to them and listening to them. And this is, this is the, these are the ones that made the top five for me. Yep. Uh, likewise, my number one favorite Eddie Van Halen song was very easy to pick. Uh, it was the other ones that was hard to, to yeah, yeah. it was harder. Yeah. There's a couple of them that I knew were going to be in there. The others were a little harder to narrow down, but the number yeah. one was never a question. Well, and just a, a quick look at this, uh, 10 songs, four of these come from 1984, which I think is the best album. Yeah, I agree. Three of them come from 5150 and that surprised me. And that would have been two, two of yours came off of 5150. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then, we fill in uh, a couple of, of different albums, and then we have one, when we get down to it, uh, is going to be, uh, we'll cover it when we get there. We'll cover it when we get there, yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun. How's that? Yeah. The first song I wanna, uh, want to present to you is Romeo Delight from Women and Children First. And I'm going to tell you why. To me, this uh, is the pinnacle of, uh, before 1984, this is the pinnacle song of Van Halen with David Lee Roth, because okay. it includes... Um, it it includes kind of the driving Eddie stuff. It oh, includes yeah. this bass from Michael Anthony that is awesome. Uh, it's kind of a street story from L.A. And, of course, it includes the venerable, the awesome Alex Van Halen back there just yeah. tearing up the drums. This is Romeo Delight. There's actually a couple of sections in here where Michael Anthony plays. We were talking about that earlier, that he was capable of playing more than he did, and this song has some of that. Yeah. This, interestingly, this reminds me of, like, early California, like, like Molly Crew and that kind of, like, that totally, just, like, totally. real driving, just, yeah. like, real heavy. Yeah. Totally. And, and there's a Jack White song off of, a, I think it was called Lazaretto, uh, that, that is very similar to this in style as well. You know what? You're right. That's a, that's a great album, by the way. It is. Uh, you know what? Jack White, I think, is awesome, by the way. I, I do, too. I think he gets yeah. a bad rap. I think he's way cooler than people give him credit yeah. for being. Listen to Eddie here. There's that bass. There's that bass. Cool. Yeah. I mean, before Motley Crue was anything, this is what Motley Crue wanted to be. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is... Listen to that bass, man. And then listen to the drum back there. Just... Super crisp. Listen to those sounds that Eddie's making. Doing that thing you're talking about with yeah, the big slide. He's thing. like panning in and out with the volume. That's yeah. so cool. I would note that uh, through 1984, most of the stuff with Eddie uh, is all panned over to the left. And they did it on purpose uh, because they wanted to feel that it was like a live concert. Like a li- yeah. And yeah. they definitely recorded, with when they were recording with David Lee Roth, it was more of a live sound versus when they went to Sammy Hagar and it became more of a, like an album rock kind of situation. And I never say this, but the bass part is really cool. Yeah. I mean, listen, listen to Eddie go. Oh, he's killing it. 
and Alex is back there just keeping it going. Destroying it. So cool. The patent of David Lee Roth. Wow. wow. <laughs> it's a bluesy little roof. Yeah. And it's just kind of back there in the right channel. Yeah. Kind of and, and once again, we talk about what a virtuoso this guy is, but sometimes being great means playing what's exactly right for the song. And that's a not a complicated little riff, and it sounds really yeah. fucking cool. And, and he did that a lot. You know, he did that on OU812 as well. Yeah. I'm just layer it in. Yeah. The composition of this song, I think, is just just phenomenal. Just the way they did this, which is, it's weird for a David Lee Roth era song. Well, but they're getting this is progressing, right? I mean, we're, what are we? Three. This is their fourth album. Here. This was their third album. Third album. Yeah. I mean, so they've probably grown past the stuff that they were playing, like bars and clubs, when they were getting famous. Yeah. You know, they had a lot of music, right? Which is what got them to their first album and probably half of the second. They're writing new stuff. They're getting better. They're on the road all the time. They're playing constantly. So, yeah, the composition is just going to get better. Yeah. But that signature Michael Anthony Howell back there in the very high register. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. His vocal range is pretty wild, by the it, way. It really he is. He goes way high. He does. Like Mariah Carey top high, right? And, and like you said earlier, people... That's, a, that's just a cool part, by the way. But like you said earlier, he, he does not get enough credit for what he brought to the Van Halen sound because the first thing you do is go, well, the guy's playing root notes on the bass, and that's it. Well, yeah, but his vocals are what killed it. In fact, I think when David Lee Roth wanted to get another bass player, I think that was Eddie Van Halen's argument. It's like, what about the background vocals? What about our sound? You know, What's going to happen with that? Yeah. Romeo Delight. Romeo Delight. That, that's a pretty deep cut. A lot of people aren't going to know that one. That is a but, uh, very deep cut. Yeah. That's a uh, a cool chugging song, man. So this is Drop Dead Legs. This is from 1984. Uh, this was a song that uh, there is no doubt that there are so many songs, by the way, from Van Halen uh, that were included in some strippers' uh, <laughs> dance routine. This is probably one uh, of them. And, and Drop Dead Legs... It is absolutely one of them. It has right? to be right. Uh, but if you start rolling through uh, 1984, uh, you're going to get the opening track, which is 1984. You'll get Jump and then Panama. Uh, and then you're going to get down to, uh, I'll skip ahead. There, there's a song in there that we'll come to in just a second, but we're going to get to Drop Dead Legs. And I always thought this was a cool song. This was the last song on side A. The, the, thing, I like, uh, the thing I like most about this song is the, the progression is different than a lot of Van Halen. It sounds like... Stuff I listened to later. Yeah, does that make sense? It totally does. It's, it's not the, um, not the traditional more bluesy or what we just listened to, kind of straight up rock and roll. He's got there's some interesting things. A lot going. of step down. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, but with that signature Eddie Van Halen, it's sound, obviously right? Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Some of those hammers and pull offs that he's doing. Say Alex back there. Just having some fun. Yeah. The thickness of that sound. That's and I think that's what gets me for this more than anything else is this is such a thick guitar sound and yeah. those little half step things he's doing, it's just it's full and rich and ballsy. Yeah.
And once again, Michael Anthony is not just playing the roots here. He's actually got some riffs going on, which yeah. I think adds to the fatness that you're getting. Totally. Very steady drums back there. Nothing really complicated. It's not, yeah, it's not hard. <laughs> I mean, it's such a David Lee Roth like, it, signature it sound, right? Well, the, the music is more intricate and cool than his subject matter is, yeah. which is unusual for the early area of Van Halen stuff. But what time we get to 1984, that's happening. Yeah, totally. I love that. Uh, his... Uh, It's just mastery. It's, what it's what a great mastery. little break that is. It's so cool how they can get away from the theme of the song and still just like stick it, roll it back around and it works, yeah. you know? Uh, what always killed me about Eddie Van Halen, and one of the reasons I never even tried to learn how to play any of his stuff, is that his solos aside, which are just crazy, it's all the stuff he's doing when he's not soloing. See, I, I agree with you completely. I, yeah. I think that he's more... Like, his solo stuff is just, like, godlike. Yeah. The stuff he's playing here is way more interesting. And not that totally. the solos are, but this is interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's big riff-driven. Yes. Um, it's it's well-patterned. And his timing, like, his his beats, he is always on beat. And, and you'll find someone who will tell play, you. He plays, like, right on. Yeah. You'll find people who tell you that guys like Steve Vai or Satriani or uh, someone like Joe Banamasa, who I think is just so overrated and has no sure, soul sure, to sure. him at all. Those guys are technically so much more proficient than Eddie was. Yeah, but once again, he invented the stuff that they were doing. They were copying him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Steve Vai was David Lee Ross guitar player on that abomination yeah, 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 yeah. skyscraper. Skyscraper, yeah, which yeah. is the first one he did when he left. Yeah. yeah. This is such a cool departure from the main riff of the song. Yeah. This is a solo time, right? He's just doing a riff. He's playing around with it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's so cool is he's just doing a riff, man. He can do whatever he wants to. <laughs> this is right. Is there having fun with it? That is so bluesy and understated for Eddie Van Halen. Now it's not. <laughs> you hear how there's two different riffs going on. you got the right channel, left channel, and they're both complicated. Yeah. One thing about his speed, which a lot of people try to duplicate and aren't very good at, is you can actually hear the notes. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Well, and there's soul behind it. Again, with John, but Joe Benamasa is a great guitar player. Technically, that guy's a monster. But yeah. to me, he always sounds like somebody who is incredible, who learned it. I'm going to go play Stevie Ray Vaughan songs. Yeah. And I'm going to learn them note for note. Note for note. Yeah, and not put any soul into it. And I'm, I'm going to kill it note for note. Like, technically, I'm unbelievable. But Eddie Van Halen had soul. And that, that's such a cool little track. I love that. Yeah, really cool track. There's really not a lot to it as far as like the structure of the song and how it's built. Um, but man, what what a like rocking! But it, it, it is. I mean, in, it is more interesting musically than a lot of the stuff they've done before. You can start. You, you can see. You know, we're going to get into the, some of the Hagar stuff here, like you talked about. Like the song structures get a little more, a little bit more. Yeah, Let's just say a little bit more. How's yeah. that? And you can definitely see the guys they were doing that and they were moving that direction with 1984. Sure. Yeah. Sure. We did Romeo Delight from Women and Children First. That was Drop Dead Legs from 1984. 
Okay, and this, I, I have to say, I thought this was a really interesting selection on your part. This is a tough one. I uh, I initially had Ice Cream Man from the uh, first album. Yeah, which here. is, which is it, it actually kind of surprised me that you took it off, and it also surprised me I didn't have it, because that is such a fun song. Well, and you and I... Had, you and I used to play that. That used to be our finale. Yeah, yeah we would play yeah. that, yeah. When, when we our would little do acoustic our... duo, and we would rock that out acoustically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, man, it just rocks, right? it was, oh, it's, it's, like, it's, it's a great, a fun I mean, it's a classic do, blues do, song. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. You got to love the whole metaphor thing with the ice cream man, and of course, you know, I mean, that's just that's just fantastic. That's a lot of fun. you Of course, nothing in there actually rhymes, because it's David Lee Roth, you know, but... But no, I thought this was a really interesting choice. Um, yeah. Not the album, but the song off the album. And this is not one I really listen to very much, so it's, so, it's good. So this one, um, this is 50, the, the title track, 5150 from off the, the album. Off the album, 5150. 5150. Uh, this was, to when 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 Sammy Hagar came in, uh, not only did he have more vocal range than David Lee Roth, not only was he an accomplished musician on his own, mm-hmm. he was also a great guitar player just on his own he was a great guitar yeah, player. yeah that, that's one thing that uh that he brought to the table was the rhythm guitar like yeah. the ability to like play live and do that kind of stuff yeah, was, yeah. so that it freed up a lot of eddie's time to do more interesting things it did where, where if eddie was doing a lot of riff driven stuff driven stuff he could rely on sammy to play a lot of that and it stuff kind of, and it fills fill up it the sound it fills up the sound right it yeah. makes the sound fatter yeah. it totally does um again 5150 is the code that police use when someone uh, is crazy and so that's where this comes from right. um but this song is heavy you know where we were just talking about a stripper you know drop dead legs you know that's how we're going to describe this girl uh that that was a lot of camp and a lot of cheese on the part of David Lee Roth. Oh yeah, Sammy Hager had definitely had a uh, gravitas. I mean, he, L- a lot of gravitas. Yeah, and he, I mean he could do the like I said earlier. Like some of his stuff ends up reminding me of like soft rock, like late Chicago "I Love You Baby" type stuff. You it know? does. It does. And we've got a. I think we're gonna we're gonna have one of those here. We are <laughs> totally gonna have one of those. But but, but this was different. Did, but he did, this this song this track is definitely different. But he did bring a a different. He's not as tongue in cheek as David Lee Roth was not at all. But it, it's it's, it's, it's almost different. too serious. Like when fifty one fifty came out, it was like too serious. Like stop being so serious, Sam. I mean, surely right. surely you can have some fun with this. Even though when you see their videos again, he's in leotards. He, he's, he's dancing. Yeah, he's wearing a t shirt that has a leopard. <laughs> There's a print on it. I mean, there's a Beavis and Butthead episode uh, where they're they're watching. It's not. It may be Van Halen. I can't remember. It was some cock rock band, and the guys are doing. I think it maybe it's Poison, but the guys are doing the moves on stage, and Butthead's in the background going and kick and two and three and kick and, <laughs> and twirl and twirl. And I I can't see any of the videos from the '80s with the cock rock stuff like this without hearing that in my head. Yeah, and yeah. kick and two and twirl. Well, and the bandana wrapped around your neck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Your leg, you know. And, and, but the, but that was the visual. The actual songs that he was writing had a lot of deep structure and a lot of deep meaning and this is truly a breakup song uh this is 5150 from the album 5150 uh but again riff driven yeah, yeah lots of cool riffs and the guitar playing here from eddie is just this, this one blows my mind i can't tell you i, I i've probably listened to this song uh, in the last week since we decided we were going to do this uh, i probably listened to this song i'll bet you 50 times no kidding yeah well, let's hear it yeah the first thing that I noted when I was when I listened to this is the production value difference between this and 1984. Yeah, you know who did this? Mick Jones, a foreigner. No shit. Yeah, Mick, uh, Mick Jones. No did kidding. This. 
I, I don't know how I missed yeah. that. M- Mick Jones produ- uh, was the, the producer on this album. Okay. Well, this sounds to me like the whole 5150, and it sounds to me like an album recorded in a studio by a band that knew they were in the studio yeah. versus the David Lee Roth stuff where it was like we were live and now we're, and not all of it, like the last song we had was a little different, but most of it was live and now we're recording it. Yeah. There's overdubs and stuff on here. This is different. Lots. Uh, Eddie now is in both ears, so he's in both yes. channels. So they were. F- it's full, big sound. Yeah. Alex is back there, just simply destroying the drums, just killing it. Uh, this has a real pulsing drive. It to does. It. Yeah. And, and and what Sammy's going to sing about here is he's t- telling he's it's in the middle of a breakup, okay. and he's saying, um, he's saying it's always about you. It's always number one. You're always looking out for yourself. It's never meet me half the way. It's always about you. So why would I draw the line and meet you half the way? You know what? And it's so funny that he would write that because in all of history, there's never been a conversation between a man and a woman where the man said it's all about you. That never happens, right? <laughs> Let's listen to Sam. It's that bass growling. By the way, they're drop down into drop D, plus they're also tuned to half step down. Those riffs I was talking about. Yeah, he makes it sound effortless. Yeah. And by Eddie Van Halen's standards, that's not overly complicated, but I challenge you or I to pick up the guitar and make it sound that good. You can't. Yeah. You can't do it. I love how thick and fat the overall tone is here. It's so big. Well, and, and Sam's vocal range is so good. I mean, he's such a good singer. He and is. He's controlling he is. so high up. And, and that's even with well, him dropped down. I, I think that's the control. It, like, Roth just, like, threw stuff out there and had fun with it. And this is actually a little more singing. Yeah. And, you know, I said this before. For the record, I vastly prefer the Roth era of Van Halen. But Hager is good in this. Yeah. He is. Yeah. I, I just love, I love the thickness of this, man. And that is a great little chords to kind of like arpeggio riff thing i mean yep. it's just it's really cool very fat and neat i like it super riffy um yeah. but not just like ripped all the way through it's like it's almost like he's ripping like three different ways like this is listen to that and that drums but listen to alex back there a little double bass going on there oh yeah yeah that was great yeah this part's cool yeah You're never satisfied. You're never satisfied. And I love that kind of like step down. That's awesome. Great yeah. drumming. I love to step down into that chorus that yeah. time. It's, it's almost like lasers going off. Yeah. Right. But in, in his drum set was legendary Massive, stupid. huge, yeah. just like yeah. insane. With yeah. the gong behind him that he set yeah. on fire. and like, yeah. I mean, it's not quite Neil Peart large, but it's large. Yeah. And, and I love the lyrics in this thing. Again, I always go back to lyrics. I, always, I love melody. I always go back to the lyrics, though. The way that he produces this, he goes, instead of one for all, it's it's always one for me. One with for me. You. Right. Yeah. So why would I draw the line and meet you half the way? Right. Yeah. It. it you know, it, that level of angst was just different than David. You know, David. Oh, David th- Lee Ross was just different. This is this is night and day lyrically, and it's you know, in coming one album after the other. I mean, they were definitely letting everybody know. This is a different Van Halen. And when they went out on tour, they tried to avoid playing as many of the Roth songs. as Of course, they had to play the hits. Yeah. But the deep cuts all went away, and they just played this stuff. Listen to Eddie. Oh, that sounds great. 
And Alex. Oh, right here. The tremolo. He was so good at that. Yeah. Listen to this. So clean. So pure. So distinctly Eddie Van Halen. And, and it is. And so many people took that riff, and there's whole bands that make careers off of ripping yeah. that style of play off. But, man, he's so good. Yeah. composition of this song and, and this, this kind of stuff is what I talk, what I was talking about earlier when I say I like his rhythm playing better than his lead playing half the time and that's such an interesting little rhythm break it's just him like having some fun with a few notes yeah. and it's just cool it's just yeah. really cool and just and just letting Sam just get wherever he's going to go he's in doing the to do, yeah. yeah. he's, he's definitely way he does he's, he's leaving him room to sing as much as he wants to which is cool yeah you know and the, the section we just listened to there those double bass that was amazing yeah. by the way the section we just listened there David Lee Roth would have been going you're looking great in the shirt oh yeah he was giving us one of his little talky talk things you know listen to Michael Anthony here he's definitely chugging it out and singing it nicely get out of here how they faded what are you doing ah they faded why'd you fade guys just in a song this is your first time to listen to our podcast. Welcome. Uh, Michael and I hate the fade. When a song fades, we will call it out. We will curse. We will look at each other crossly. We absolutely will. We uh, hate the fade more than anything else. Okay, And, and that, I'm not sure that anyone faded out more than Van Halen did. I mean, they did a lot of fade outs, especially during this period. It's like really hard to, like, it's like, I don't know how the fuck to end the song. <laughs> ah, the producer just... So, it's, it's funny. So, we've had some fun. We've, we were in the same period for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we went forward, and now we're going to go back to the album before the we one are. we just listened to. And now this, so this was an easy selection for me. I, I grew up, when we were talking earlier about Van Halen being on MTV and being on the radio, this is one of those songs that was always on. Yep. This is one of those, I mean, you, you've heard me walking around the office for the last week trying to rock out the opening riffs to this because it's yep. just so much fun to play. This is a great song. Um, I, I read an interview with Roth where he said that a... Uh, this is Panama, by the way. Yep. Um, it's a song about a car. And he said... A car. Panama is a country, but this is a song about, about a car. A song about a car. Yeah. And uh, he was in an interview, and he said a reporter said, why do you only write songs about girls partying in, fast, partying in fast cars? And he said he realized he'd never written a song about a fast car. So he decided to write a song about a car. Really? So they, they, I guess the reporter gets the credit for the fact that we have this. But yeah, yeah. On, on any other list made by any other person who's a Van Halen fan... Panama could be number one on that list. This is the consummate, um, although it's not my number one track, but this I, I think you could make the argument that this is the consummate David Lee Roth era Van Halen. So I, this wait, was all over this, the radio. This, this, this or is, Jump. Yeah, yeah this or yeah, Jump, either yeah. one. I mean, this is, these are hooks, and this is all over the place, and this is... But, but this is Eddie Van Halen, and this is Eddie Van Halen at his finest. This is Eddie Van Halen kicking all of the ass. There's no ass left when he's done in the studio after this. They all had to go home. The ass was gone. He kicked it off. Tone and rhythm and riff and everything about this song kicks ass. It's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, so he does all these little things like right here. (laughs) Just these little fills that he throws in. Yeah. And, And that's what's infuriating as a guitar player is because I can play most of this. And then when he throws in those little riffs, that's when you stop and you just go, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. now i got to go work on this forever, you know? And it's so heavy and it's so full, but it's also so lush. So fiery. Yeah. You know, there's like so much fire underneath these. 
so much energy, man. They're yeah. just plowing. You listen to that drop D growl back there. Bow, 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 bow. And this is where we're talking about with Michael Anthony just running the, yeah. the note. In. Yeah. But it, it, it provides the foundation, so it's cool. Here's Eddie. This is classic Eddie. All those false harmonics and nonsense yeah. that he does are yeah. so cool. Yeah, that's his uh, famous brown sound. Is what yeah. he called that distortion, his brown sound. Really? Yeah. So his 5150 amp uh, was a three or four tube amp. Uh, it's a big and, one. And the whole thing was that it, it took so much power and so much heat. Right. But the bias on that thing had a low bias, so that it would like constantly run. But when you hit high, like you could really, really burn Just, those tubes. You could tubes, really push right? that thing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a PV, and I think they're pretty notorious for eating tubes on the, the big <laughs> high end anyway. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, they were consumables. PV saw yeah, those tubes yeah. as consumables. Yeah. Which meant if you buy an amp, you better get used to putting in a new tube like a new light bulb. It's like printer cartridges. Yeah, yeah. You buy the printer, own the cartridges. Oh, Here's what a great guitar solo. There's some of that finger tapping stuff where he's yeah. playing it, you know? Playing it like a piano. This is iconically cool right here. So cool. Do little revs on the... That's his Lamborghini rubbing when they have the rubbing, they actually backed it into the studio. Right there. And this is the David Lee Roth talking thing that we were talking, making fun of earlier. Ease the seat bag. But it's so cool how they just keep walking build, and walking build, and, build. and walking and walking in. And here we go. If you were going to teach a master class in how to write a rock song, this is it, right? This is right there, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is anthemic. You can, everybody can sing along with it. It doesn't matter what the fuck it's about. You can sing along to it. You can have a good time. Yeah, totally. My goodness. How God, much fun was that? God, what a great song. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, it, it, it's almost like it takes energy out of me to, to listen to that song. Because it, is, it is such a driving, thumping, energetic tune. Yeah, I mean, you want to yeah. sing along to it? You want to... Just like so, oh, this is amazing. It's, yeah, it's 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 enthusiastic. Yeah, and and I can't tell you how many uh, as a kid in the eighties watching like the the um the the Miss World or what, remember the pageants? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like and they gather all the the people from all over the world and like Panama and like Panama. Panama. <laughs> like oh my god, Panama. She's. I hope she wins. Like what the hell are they saying about <laughs> Panama? Well, so it's kind of funny on this list that we uh, bookended Panama. With two Sammy Hagar tracks. Yeah, we did. Uh, and so the... Uh, and this that, is your track. Yep. Th that was uh, that was your second song that you... No, I'm sorry. That was... Uh, yeah, your yeah, second was my second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I, I went back to 5150. And this is a song that from the time that I... When it came out in 1986, uh, I think I was in third or fourth grade. I, and I remember, even as a little kid, I couldn't wait to dedicate this to a girl. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think this is one of the greatest love songs ever. Well, I, it's 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 funny because uh, the the lyrics are, with all due respect to what you said, completely cheeseball. Totally like, this, cheeseball. This is the yeah. cheese rock stuff that Sammy Hagar was totally. very capable yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. And if you put this with anybody else playing it, it would probably be unlistenable to me. Probably so. But with Van Halen doing it, it's actually a really catchy tune. It, it is. Uh, and the crazy thing on this is uh, on this podcast dedicated to uh, Eddie Van Halen, this is the only song in which he doesn't play the guitar. He doesn't touch yeah, the guitar is, in this whole thing. This has got a really cool synth riff to it. This is yeah. one of his big synth songs. Th- this is 100% Eddie on his synth. Uh, the guitar parts that you hear are Sammy playing along uh and the reason that i wanted to make sure this was on here in addition to being to me uh, a cool song th- the greatest cock rock love song ever made <laughs> uh that being able to point out that eddie at this time when he was trying to differentiate what he was before with with david lee roth and when he got into this new realm of van hagar we'll just call it sure sure um, with uh, with all due respect to uh to mr the, hagar to, to daryl wayne barnes who uh introduced me that uh this was Eddie being able to step back and say, I'm a musician. I'm not a guitar player. And I want to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but everything about the, and, and by the way, this song was the very first uh, single released from the 5150 album. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and so this was the introduction of uh, Sammy Hagar. To the world. To the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is a really cool synth it, riff. It yeah. is. I, I love the synth on this. It's really neat. This is so 80s, man. It absolutely is. Words 100% written by Sam. And uh, this this actually was just kind of a jam thing that uh, when Mick Jones... turned into the song? Yeah, Mick Jones came in and was like, you guys have to turn that into a Turn into an actual song. You know how many times I've started off a conversation with, here it comes, that (laughs) funny feeling again. Like, it, it's a cheese fest of lyrics, it is. Yeah. But it was so appropriate for what they were doing at yeah. the time. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's Van Halen. So, yeah. like, it or, like, like it or leave it, this is Van Halen. But listen to Ed getting crazy. I mean, the band sounds fantastic. Yeah. And, and Alex back there. And this in, is cool. 100% on a synthesizer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a total 80s program synth sound, total, right? Yeah. 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 And it doesn't help that Anthony's in the background just like chugging away on the... Yeah, it just gives it kind of almost a disco feel. Yeah. Just like dance, you know. This is one of my favorite lines of all of Ed Halen's songs right here. You got to run to win? Nope. And I'll be damned, damned if, if I, I get, get up hung upon the line. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. It really is. You know, part of this is we we grew up with this on the radio. Yeah. I mean, this is literally a soundtrack to our childhood. So. I, I mean, I, I used to daydream about the mystery of romance to this song. To the song? Sure, yeah. sure. It's so catchy and bouncy, and it, it's it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's got some more serious lyrics, but they still have the Van Halen element of fun to it. Right, right. But, it, but it, again, with that semi Hagar gravitas, yeah. listen to... Okay. I can't do the do 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 that. That drives me nuts. That's Sam. Do 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 do. 
kind of that Phil Collins the studio thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick shout out to my buddy Chris Daniels on uh, the Phil Collins <laughs> reference. It's really not a complicated song. Uh, this no, is, not, not so much to it, actually. C, A minor, F, and G. What it's, makes it's really it is awesome that? On this. <laughs> you know, as a band, this had to be so gratifying to like write this and release it as your first single on the first album with the new singer and have it just like blow up and just yeah. be all over the place. Huge in 1986. So, okay, we all right, we made a good decision. This yes. is working out fine, you know. And listen to listen to Sam get high here. While Ed's still just doing his keyboard thing back there. Hager had a really good range. And and a fade out. And a fade out. There we go. <laughs> we've gone through our... Uh, we've gone through five, five yeah. our, 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 of our favorite songs. And uh, here we go to number five. And this one number is six. Going to, number six. Yeah, I'm sorry. Number, number six. This is, this is the fifth one left. And this one breaks the mold of all the other ones. Of all the Eddie Van Halen songs, this is one... It's okay. totally different than all the other ones. It is, but it's Eddie Van Halen. Do, do you even want to introduce this, or you just want to let it play? You tell me. This is the one you picked. I'll you, tell you, you what. Tell me how you want to. Why do don't this. you start it, and then we'll talk through it. How's that? Okay. Sound? This was one of Jason's top five Eddie Van Halen songs. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> get hate mail. Well, that doesn't sound like a Van Halen song. That's because it's not. Why does that not sound like a Van Halen song, Jason? So, when Michael Jackson was getting ready to record this album, right? which, by the way, became the number one album that year and the, the is the number one, one album, and kept yep. Van Halen at the number two spot, Quincy Jones called Eddie Van Halen and asked him if he would come play on a Michael Jackson song. Uh, Eddie Van Halen did an interview about this in 2012 where he said, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you, right? <laughs> and it, Quincy convinced him it was a real deal. I think right. he got paid a beer for this or something ridiculous. Probably. But, uh, he went into the studio. Right. They gave him a song, and he said, can I do anything I want to do? And the engineer said, yeah, Quincy, you can do whatever you want to do. So Michael Jackson leaves the room, and so Eddie Van Halen sits there, moves the bridge around, like changes the organization of Michael Jackson's song. Wow. And then plays the, the solos, you know, whips the thing out. Jackson comes back in as according to Eddie Van Halen and thanks him for doing it. What's amazing to me is that this became one of the most iconic and popular songs of all, of all time. time. Of all time. Yeah. yeah. And Eddie Van Halen not only played the guitar solo on it, but rearranged the song. Unbelievable. That, that's insane to me. Uh, Eddie Van Halen had a story that uh, he was in Tower Records when this came out really he's walking through Tower Records and Beat It is playing and a whole bunch of these kids are standing over there and one of them says listen to that guy trying to sound like Eddie Van Halen and Eddie says he walked up tapped the kid on the shoulder they all turn around and go holy shit he goes that's actually me guys <laughs> and so well, what I think is so cool about this aside from everything else I just said is you've got two completely different genres of music totally and they're you would never, you would never see something like that. I don't think anymore. No. You know, the, the idea that like the hottest guitar player ever is playing on 
Michael Jackson. And he, he's got this whole thing in the interview. We talked about when Quincy calls him, and he's like got the like the old Jackson Five stuff going through his head. And he's like, "What the hell could they possibly want me to play guitar? Yeah, I, I, where do I fit into this thing? You know?" Well, it was kind of disco stuff. All the Jackson yeah, stuff, disco yeah. stuff, right? There's a there's a great video, uh, kids, if you're interested, that you can go find on YouTube. And it's actually Eddie Van Halen on stage with Michael Jackson and his band playing this song. And it's solo. It's phenomenal. And you know, Michael Jackson's like, come on, Eddie, play the solo. You know, that kind of stuff, you know. I think it's so cool. It's just you, you can't think about Eddie Van Halen and his influence on everything and not realize it was on the number one song in the world yeah. that was not his band. Yeah. So this. Left channel, by the way. So much tapping. Spreading up. What a kick-ass guitar solo. That's just incredible. And the thing, he was, uh, according to Eddie, he was in the studio for like an hour. Wow. How many people have listened to Beat It and have sung along? And not really. In that Michael Jackson way. I just didn't even realize that the greatest guitar player has ever touched him. Is actually playing the guitar yeah, solo. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, I know in the last week that I've had conversations with half a dozen people that didn't know. They had no idea. playing on this. Yeah. Isn't that something? Like, that's, that's amazing. That, that's amazing on so many levels yeah. to me. Regardless, like, I'm not a Michael Jackson fan. I mean, this is a groovy song, whatever. But, sure. You know, I, I'll never listen to this probably ever again and haven't listened to it in 20 years. I'm not yeah. a Michael Jackson fan. But Eddie Van Halen's contribution is just incredible. Sure. In, in this cancel culture that we live in, um, I have no problem at all saying that I'm going to start calling that an Eddie Van Halen song. I think you know that, that Eddie Van Halen song? Eddie Van Halen song, Beat It, you know? <laughs> all right, well, thanks for indulging me on that one because uh, that was definitely a uh, definitely a step off of the reservation for everything else we're doing. But I, I was like I said, I was sitting around last week, I think when I texted you that I was going to put this on there. Sitting with my wife and we were having a couple of drinks and I was telling her like just how cool like what I just how cool this is and she was like that was really cool and I was like you know I don't want to put that in the list and she's like you absolutely should yeah. because that's cool you know there when, might be people that don't know that they need to know that when you sent me your top five I looked at it and I go oh God Almighty I totally forgot he was the guy on that I totally <laughs> forgot that Eddie Van Halen was the one that played uh, possibly Michael Jackson's greatest song yeah uh, absolutely yeah and, and by the way that once again like I said earlier between that and Billy Jean which one's better. I'd say beat right, it. That's beat it. Yeah, and that's the album that kept Van Halen from going number one that year. Isn't that something? They, sure. they got number two on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that was an interesting conversation to have with his bandmates. Yeah, we're down to our top two songs, uh, each w- each with with Eddie Van Halen. There are four songs left. I had a hard time picking which one of my songs were going to be the, the top song, uh, but it's this one. And you're not going to have any question about why because uh, this one starts off with. With Alex Van Halen, yeah, yeah, it does, right. it does. Yeah, this is a phenomenal. Yeah, uh, th- there were uh, there were rumors that uh, this song was actually Eddie's car that they had stuck a microphone up to the. To That's the right, I remember that. Yeah, because um, nobody could have possibly pulled the drums off like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, but now if you go to YouTube, you can just pull up any YouTube and watch these guys do this. Actually, watch uh, them play. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, you heard me in the past talk about the greatness of Danny Carey. Uh, and the fact that he was playing polyrhythms mm-hmm. with his hands, where he'll play 
uh, succeeds notes with one hand and play uh, triplets with the other hand. Alex Van Halen was one of the first ones that really did it in the mainstream. He was playing a purdy shuffle on his bass drums with a double bass, and he's going on his hands. This is hot for teacher. Hot for teacher. The greatest song about something that's way, way illegal. Was could could you release this as a pop rock track with all the people that have been hot for teacher in air quotes for the last mm. ten years? Well, you already get on the radio right now, right? We we used to do things different, y'all. Yeah, y'all. <laughs> Listen to that. Oh, that's so cool. That's not overdub. That, no, that, that's live. Yeah, that, that's live. And there are guys who demonstrate how to do this online. You can and you now we're watching. Yeah, now he's killing it. But listen to Eddie. Here, here we Eddie. go. Yeah. Two brothers. Is there is there a better intro to a rock song ever? The, the timing of that between those two guys is you can you can only do that if you're brothers. They they, they know exactly what yeah. they're about. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. That's so fucking cool, man. And so now, and so as much as I love this song, this is all David Lee Roth. Yeah, this is the David Lee Roth. Did you hear the beer bottles clinking in the background? Yeah, the beer bottles had clinking. Yeah, yeah. Class? What do you think the teacher's going to look like this year? Yeah. A student has a crush on his teacher. Right. Yeah, See, now, nowadays we reverse it. The teacher would be like, what do you think the students are going to look like this year? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> hey, man, watch the news. I can't help it. Let's stay up back here. This is great. This is awesome. This is such a cool little part. Firings are red hot. Man, they are rock solid tight, like insanely tight. Yeah, yeah. There is nothing easy that Jimmy and Eddie are playing here right now. The, the stoner guys that I looked up to when I was a kid, you know that uh, the class clowns and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. that I wanted to be—that's this is that's, that's, this yeah. is their anthem. Yeah, yeah. You know how many class presidents Eddie Van Halen won across the nation back in the eighties? <laughs> everybody would write in Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen, yeah. The lyrics go: "Little girl from Cherry Lawn, which is a school, okay. by the way, the private school. Really? Yeah, Cherry Lawn is what he's saying." That guitar in the background. Again, it's all the stuff that he's not playing. It's the stuff that he riffs on when he's not soloing. Yeah. That rolling. The drums are just, just galloping forward, man. They're just going and going. The song never slows. Never really slows down when it's going. You know. So we've had this, and let's just let Eddie go. Have fun. Say this about Michael Anthony's bass playing on this. It is like he's on point. Right on top. Yeah. yeah. 
Back to that super cool little bluesy riff. You know, there was a weird time during this in the in the 80s where our professional wrestlers and our rock and roll guys all kind of looked the same. You That's know? a good point. Yeah, leotards and long hair yeah. and like musculature, and you yeah. know, they were all wearing like real tight pants That's and a good point. dancing around that, and stuff. Yeah. And they all had long hair. I love the way this ends with that wow wows. And that's what you call a big Golly. rock and roll ending. That is a big rock and roll ending right there. That that is just, I mean, how many times have all of you out there listened to that? Uh, it just had it in the background, like, "Oh, there's Hot for Teacher again." You're like, "Oh, we've heard Hot for Teacher again." You know, a just million like times. Yeah, yeah, but just stop and listen to just how freaking virtuosic that is. Well, and, and that that's a good word for it. I mean, that's yeah. a tour de force. It it totally is. I mean, just just him just playing in that space and anywhere he wanted to be. God. Dang, that's such a great song. A tour de force, man. An absolute yeah. tour de force. Uh, your, uh, so we're going to fast forward here. Uh, we're, we're going back to 5150. Again, yes. we've done a lot on 1984. We've and done a lot on 5150 yeah. because, t- to me, those, those are, are the, the great albums. And they're also the defining uh, bookends of the two different singers. Yeah, they the, really the, are. The, band, yeah. the, the two different Van Halens, yep. if you will. The, the end of one era, the, the beginning, beginning of, of another, another era. Uh, but they both, oddly, distinctively, define the 80s. Oh, I, I, without question. Yeah. Um, I really like this song. This is Best of Both Worlds. This mm-hmm. is the only uh, Hagar-era tracks that I'm one of the only ones that I'm a big fan of. Um, I think it's just a great riff. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun, and, and it, it's super catchy. Such a such a fiery sound. The tone that he puts underneath his guitar on this, uh, the riffs that he's putting inside here. Uh, I, I think that Sammy Hagar, the way he's written the lyrics to this are really cool. There is a line at the very last uh, verse. He starts off with, you don't have to die and go to heaven. Right. Or, or hang, hang around, around and be, and be born, born again. again. Yeah. Just tell me what the world's got to offer. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, life view. It's, it's, it's As a kid, I was, way deeper than anything that came off the 1984 album. I was so afraid my parents were going to hear that when I was And be kid. upset about it? Yeah. So I like run and turn it down real quick. Uh, this is Best of Both Best Worlds. Best of Both Worlds. Yeah. L- love this track, by the way. I like. I really like a lot what Eddie does with that thought. How he takes the riff and places it in different places, yeah. different levels of distortion, different levels of heavy. I mean, it's like the theme carries on, but he just does a lot of different stuff yeah. with it. Yeah. It, it's it's very much like um, like modal stuff, kind of like Miles Davis would do, where he's just like, "This is how it sounds," and he'd play, just it, play it in different places. Yeah, yeah, play, yeah. play it different ways. Yeah. So so thick. It is fat sound, big fat sound. And once again, coming from the two different albums, the sound is the recording quality and the the way that they record it is so different. Yeah. I don't even know what he's talking about. Like it, it, it's almost like he was trying to be deep, but he's not really not that deep. No, that's what he's you trying know. to do. He's trying to be deep. Hey, don't, don't forget, like Sammy Hagar is also the guy that wrote a song about tequila. You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Cabo Wabo. The Cabo Wabo, yeah. which is not bad tequila, by the way. I mean, it's good tequila, but I mean, still, I mean, he's trying to be all pensive and deep on this. Thing, the, right? Exactly. Yeah. 
just Eddie back there just laying that stuff in. Just, just the way he just like plays around that theme and does those, like such cool riffs is virtuosic. It's really cool. It, it's like epic. Okay. Think yeah. of 150. It seemed like every single song was an epic. Yeah, like they're right. really hammering. And it builds like... Dun, 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 and this is such a big, ow! catchy hook. Yeah. Sing along. And it's, it's not a complicated song. I mean, they're kind of just driving through it. Yeah. Like, there's not like a lot of tempo changes or weird. That's a four on the floor beat back there in the drums. Just rolling. Two, 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 two. What we just came off with Alex playing on the drums last time, like, this is very simplistic. Yeah, yeah. But it's right for the song, like, we keep going back to. So there you go. What you're really missing on this a lot, or maybe you're not missing it, but uh, Michael Anthony's not doing a huge amount of the stuff he used to do. Now he's just kind of singing along with Hagar, right? Yeah. And then Eddie just totally breaks the mold on this. Oh, yeah, this is great. They jump off somewhere. Yeah. He's playing with both fingers there, both hands. And he's also, like, hitting and then pulling the string back with his finger. So it goes, meow. It just... Like a cat meowing almost. It's otherworldly. Yeah. His talent yeah. level. It really yeah. is. And he created that. I mean, he, he's the first one that did that. Well, he, he took he definitely took it somewhere that had never been before, yeah. without question. Well, and and guys like Ingve Malmsteen or whatever, they wouldn't exist without Eddie Van Halen. That's true. And what did what did Ingve do? He played classical music, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Which is what Eddie was doing. Yeah. No, but what I meant by that is he didn't compose anything that was particularly interesting. Yeah. He was just really fast guitar player. Yeah. That's that line you were talking about. Yeah. Michael Anthony laying back those those boom, vocals. Boom. Yeah. Well, just, just like kind of singing, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's so well layered in every single part of this that he's so unheralded as a musician. Yeah, it, it's like I said, it's completely different than how he was singing before. You know. He's just making Sammy sound fuller right there is what yeah. he's doing. He's just bringing the sound. That that riff is so reminiscent of Highway to Hell by yeah. ACDC. Yeah, totally. And I think it's the same. I think it's the same chord progression, actually. That's, that's really good vocals, man. I know you're yeah. not a Hagar guy, but I think that's oh, really no. good. Oh, no. I mean, I can appreciate the talent. I yeah. mean, he's, he sounds great. Leotards aside. <laughs> like I said, he just finds himself in, like, air supply territory, you know, yeah. occasionally with the warm, soft rock stuff. But I, I'm not not disavowing his talent. The little walk and by the way, they've faded. I know, and they didn't really have to because that little walk out there could have definitely stood on its own. They could have just stopped. Get, it would have been like, cool. I, yeah, I, I just don't fully there, understand. There was, no reason, there was no reason to do that. Just quit. <laughs> Call it even. Whatever. All right, now we're going back to... We're down to our... These, these are our, our two favorites. favorites. Yeah. yeah, songs. Um, I, I remember as a kid, I remember the first time I heard this song. Uh, specifically, I remember the first time that I, I let the song go past Panama. On my tape of 1984. Interesting that you say that. 
<laughs> and I remember the first time I heard this, I thought it was a different musical instrument completely. I didn't understand what was coming. What he was doing speakers. with like the harmonics and all yeah, that kind I, of stuff. I, and the I didn't yeah. understand. Um, there were there are songs in rock and roll in in the tome of rock and roll in the uh, the history of rock and roll where they sing a ballad about someone who rocks who kicks ass right yeah yeah uh, I would say Chuck Berry started that with Johnny B Good right sure uh, so Johnny B Good was this guy who just he was a rock and roll guitar player and he did all this stuff right and Dire Straits gave us the Sultans of Swing and yeah, musicians yeah. So, have been singing about other musicians so we have these ballads about these musicians that are playing somewhere that just rock and everybody loves them right. Um, I would say, and by the way, after this, on an album that came out in 1987 or 98 called Reach for the Sky, Rat, uh, with uh, Stephen Piercy, the the singer, tried very hard to pattern this entire song with a song called Way Cool Junior. Right? Uh, you know what? I, you're right. That is, uh, that, that's almost, a, it, it's like they were trying to write a sequel to this. Um, but this is a song that, Someone went to a uh, a club in L.A. and they heard Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs play, and apparently they just kicked so much ass that David Lee Roth went and heard these guys and goes, "You've got to hear Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs play." And so they went and heard, and like this guy's the greatest rock and roll guitar player. Like we never heard anybody like this. And so they wrote this song in a matter of maybe five minutes. This is top. No kidding. This is top. Jimmy, my favorite Van Halen song. It's funny that you made that comment about. Uh, listen to Eddie. I, I love the harmonics here. By the way, this is awesome. It, this is in a, such a weird tuning. This is D A D C A B. Is is, okay, is the way okay. this is tuned. Yeah. Those harmonics are fantastic. Yeah. It, it was funny that you said that about skipping over. I never listened to this song. I always skipped over it. Really? Yeah. Well, there's so many other songs. What? I mean, I'm sure I've heard it, but this song kicks so much ass. Like, I, I don't want to say anything about it. You, no, you it, know, it actually kills. Yeah. Listen, listen to Eddie. Just the way he's able to maneuver the guitar. Again, listen to what he's not. Listen, the solo's not going. He's going. Yeah, he's killing it. Right there. Yeah. 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 And Dave goes. Top Jimmy cooks. Top Jimmy swings. He's got to look. There you go. Listen to this. He's the king. I, I, I didn't know what Instagram I was listening to as a kid. Bow. Drop D. Listen to Alex back there on the ride. Ding, 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 ding. What a weird riff. The guitar playing on this is unmatched. Yeah, incredible. Crazy, right? And this solo. It, it didn't feel like it fit the song. It was like an alien, right? Yeah, because they totally dropped out everything they were doing before and just dropped the guitar yeah. solo into it, which is cool. But you're right; it does. It's like out of place almost. Yeah. So he's doing string bends and he's pulling off the string. Oh bends. yeah, yeah, he's killing it. He's doing all sorts of very yeah. complicated shit. 
Well, by the way, that little riff in there, that I think it's more impressive than the solo. The fact that he thro- throws it in between yeah. the verse sections like that. It says a fill. I mean, that's an incredibly complicated fill. Eddie reaches over and turns the gain up on his uh, on Zamp. Oh, Jimmy. And there we go. There's Top Jimmy. That That is a great song. Uh, that is a really great song. That that song is so good that I wish they'd done it as an instrumental. Really? I, I, because I, I would rather listen to more of Eddie's incredible fills and the interesting things he's doing yeah. than David Lee Roth sing on that song. I'd never get tired of that song. Never, ever. And I've listened to that song so many times since this album came out. I, I mean, you think about it. I, I'm 43 years old, I think. Um, I've been listening Somewhere to that song. around there. I've been listening to that song since I was in second grade. Right, exactly. You know? Um, I can't tell you how many times I came out for a wrestling match on my trampoline. Uh, and put that song on? Yeah, against my pillow, because that's you know, what we did as a kid. <laughs> but that's another story. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was my walkout music was Top yeah, Jimmy. Sure. Top yeah. Jimmy. Uh, I, I would, Jimmy Van Halen was... That that, <laughs> that was my thing, yeah. Jimmy Von Halen was because I, I thought there was a Jimmy Van Halen because I assumed that that's what they. Well, were obviously about. it was Top Jimmy, right? It's yeah, like, like their older brother or something. There, yeah. I had, to... I had no idea. I mean, they were talking about Top Jimmy. Of course, back then we didn't have the internet, so we couldn't go look up. We had Top Jimmy. Yeah, kids. Some, uh, in the olden days, we had to take songs at their face value. We did. If you get a chance, uh, you can do a YouTube search for Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs. I would and see the band they were talking about. Yeah, okay. uh, come back to our favorite albums in just a bit. Let us know. I'll uh, you'll post it. I'll I'll put a couple of songs up there from Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs. The magic of the interwebs. Yeah, the uh, the source of the inspiration for of that song. My favorite Van Halen song. We're down to the last song. So this uh, is yeah, this is mine. Yep, uh, Unchained. This to me is this is Van Halen. This is loud. This is catchy. This is great guitar playing. This is rock and roll. This is hooky. This is awesome yeah um i should have had you put the live version on here because then we wouldn't have had to listen to dave no no so play what you got, play what you I, got I, can, I can find it no i'll play what you got we're good okay but uh when we get to the middle he does a lot of that david lee roth stuff we're talking about right. where in the live version he just goes we love you people and that's the end of it and it's like <laughs> wow you should have done that in the studio but this, this song is uh the guitar solo is real short right um this song has the uh th- this is one i have I've played a lot myself this song has one of those things with it sounds so much simpler than it actually is really you know what eddie eddie does so much complicated stuff i mean for something as simple as just some chords and a couple of riffs and it, it's not it, it sounds deceivingly simple because it's such a quick little rock and roll song and a nice big hook but i think this is eddie is most brilliant rock and roll just like quick and fast and fun and here we go i totally agree with you uh this is unchained it's from the 1981 album fair warning and i gotta tell you the heat that comes off the tone here uh, th- there's some tone hounds. Oh yeah, that, that still exist. Uh, uh, Adam Grandesil, who's uh, from War on Drugs, is a tone. Yeah, hound. absolutely. That, that guy works on his tone over and over and over. We have both talked about Eric Johnson, uh, who is tone, a phenomenal guitar tone player, tone monster. Yeah, yeah. insane. Total, with it, uh, yeah, total ass whip when it comes to figuring out this tone. Without question, right? Um, Eddie created 
the guitar that, that, that he was playing. Yeah. yeah. And the tone on this song to me is as rock and roll as any other tone for any other song. I agree. This is Unchained from Fair Warning. I love the fact that you've got the brown sound thing going on and occasionally he like kicks in the flanger and so you get like this weird but he's not playing it the whole time and it's just Yeah. That's the flanger and like here they go. Again all this left channel, right? Left channel, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Left channel, right? What? We're in drop D again, right? Uh, gotta be. Gotta be. It's pretty fat. I mean, I always play it in standard, but he might be in drop He probably is in drop D, actually. That riff right there is... Wow. The, the way that he was able to bend sounds to do that feedback thing was was always so impressive. Like, I didn't understand yeah. how he'd do it. It's, it's incredible. He had a mastery of the tones. Michael Anthony great lyrics but like Eddie's the, the king here and, and once again the live version of this to watch that and just the energy that these guys put into it the fact that they're just smiling where they're killing it it just that just says everything you need to know about Eddie Van Halen right there yeah. he used to smile and look at his guitar like you believe this is coming out of this? Like, can you believe? I can't believe Check it. Check this out. This is amazing. Yeah. And then Michael Anthony's over there kind of hamming it up and being serious. And then he'd smile like he was like, point out in the audience a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of a joke. Oh, that tone is just wild. And you can hear that flange in the left ear. Yeah. 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 Like he hits it and takes his foot off the pedal and just lets it do its thing. Yeah. He just squeezed four other guitar players' guitar solos into like two seconds. Yeah. And here we go. Here's your David Lee Roth talking part. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some leg? Some leg, yeah. One break. Coming up. That was revolutionary at one time. Like that was, Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was cool when they did it. But yeah. That doesn't stand the test of time, but that aside, this is still a great song. Yeah. Ended like a song should. I have, I have a theory here. Is is the fade the uh, is that a Sammy Hagar era thing? Hmm. We would have to do a real deep dive on the albums hmm. to prove that hypothesis. But I will say, based on our data subset, hmm. <laughs> that would appear to be a Sammy Hagar phenomenon. Let's see here. Best of both worlds. Fade. 
5150. Food. Food. Why can't this be love? Food. I have a bad feeling. Maybe <laughs> Sammy Hagar. <laughs> this, this is a huge loss. It is. I mean, uh, we, we've lost one of the most influential musicians, uh, not just of our generation, but of all time. Of all time. Um, uh, and not just for his guitar playing, which obviously for his guitar playing, but also for his songwriting and just everything. Yeah, and he, and, he was the best. And what he meant for an entire generation of people, because uh, there was never anyone who didn't like Eddie Van Halen. Right. You know, you never had someone like, I just can't stand that guy. Like, no, how could you not like him? There's a million kids yeah. that picked up the guitar in the early 80s because Eddie Van Halen was on MTV playing That's right. guitar. And yeah. now that you know his story, you know that he was, you know, he, he wasn't some rich kid. He was some kid that literally was like bootstraps, like penniless bootstraps and taught himself how to he, play. He's he's the American dream, yeah. right? I mean, he really is. He, yeah. he he came here, he learned it, he mastered it, he destroyed it, and you know there'll never be another Eddie Van Halen. There never know? will be. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Hopefully, this gives you a bit of perspective uh, on, on on an artist that we uh, we love so much, and hopefully, this answers the question: just who the fuck, who the fuck is, is Eddie, Eddie Van Halen? Van Halen? <laughs> yeah. This is our favorite albums. We'll see you here again soon. Thanks for hanging with us. Mm-hmm.